Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 7th of June 2020. And here we go into the next stalling technique, I suppose you call it, which falls right on in with the, the COVID idea, the lockdown, the, the stopping of all commerce, the stopping of normal life, basically, uh, mandated by our governments on behalf of the World Health Organization in this wonderful, undemocratic system in which we live, because we don't vote for WHO. They're so corrupt and so literally compromised, everybody with it, with shares in big pharma companies, some of them even owners of some of them, really, when you look at it, and they get awfully handsomely rewarded for giving contracts out to them, taxpayer contracts, naturally. We fund everything for the for the global elite. And it, it was amazing, too, and I'll make touch on this tonight, is uh, so everything just fits together rather neatly, really, in, in amongst the chaos, the appearance of chaos, because don't forget that the World Economic Forum said last year that we weren't listening to them. We, the peasantry, you know, the, the world's peasantry, the peasantry that can't go to the WEF, and uh, we're not invited, basically, and you couldn't afford it anyway. Because the WEF is just part of the superstructure that rules us. You don't see any anti-fighting but protesting them. There's, there's a clue in all this, you see. There's lots of clues in everything. Long time ago, I noticed that... Uh, the Canadian government, the Canadian government was funding far-left communist groups in Canada for their clubs, where they could sing their protest songs and, and scheme their little anti-war rallies, which were all fine at the time, was pretty well passive compared to today. But uh, we funded them uh, across the country. Most folk don't even know it. But I, I thought at the time... You know, when it was the anti-war idea in Britain and, and, and Canada and everywhere else across the planet, you had these mass rallies, the anti-war rallies, because we were sick of being told we're all going to get nuked, you see, and the war to end all wars and all civilization in the, in the process. And uh, because of it, that was that was the heyday, mind you, of the military-industrial complex for, for quick money, big money from the taxpayer to save us all. They kept making new kinds of bombs and missiles and aircraft to carry them as well, uh, as well as individual missiles. But it was a heyday, because no one complained at the time. But we all said, oh my God, they have to protect us against other guys across there. And uh, a long, long time ago, when you're kind of growing up, I watched these kind of things too. Well-organized protest rallies but they used to have families there when they had men, women, and children, you know. And you'd see the families, hundreds and thousands of families at times, with their banners up, very quiet and peaceful, just protesting against this and the whole thing. Because no one wanted to get blown up, you see. But when you think of the money, too, that could be used, help people, <laughs> they never really think about it. The money that could be used on... on Programs and uh, and business to get more business, more more jobs, and all the rest of it uh, went to the military-industrial complex uh, year after year after year to keep us safe. 
But what I noticed was that it suddenly stopped, you see. It was a very quick turn, like a turn of a switch. And I knew, from because I met some of them in Canada, uh, some of the left wings asked me to sing it some a few things. I hadn't had a clue that it was that that radical at the time until I met a communist who was from England uh, and who was from this. He'd just been over to the Soviet Union, and he came over after, after a concert, a general concert, and um, started talking to this little group there. As though, and I guess he thought I was one of them, uh, but he's talking about the, the, the next move to, to network amongst all radical groups. And at the time, too, he said he came back from Moscow and he says that we must now, he says, get um, all the other fringe groups in with us. That meant uh, the gay groups and all the rest of it, too. And and there were some eyebrows raised at that. But he says, well, we've got to do it, he says. Well, we've got to get everybody looking on board for protesting and for future. But I thought, this guy was from London, huh? England. He... Someone could come in and out of Canada and every other country with impunity. And don't tell me the authorities didn't know who he was, that he was there organizing the overthrow of governments and things like that. And, and I thought, it's obvious, this is run by a, your governments are part of it. And this guy was part of it. He had no fear. I asked him, I said, aren't you worried about getting caught coming into a country? He's talking about, no, no, no. He said, I do it all the time. So you start to see that there's no there's big players here and there's little players and there's followers. The whole thing of any big uprising depends on followers. Followers never get what they want. And 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 I won't even go into the states at the moment, but um, followers never get what they want. It's always for a better tomorrow. It's always young people too where everything's black and white, that's how you see things. There's no grey areas of life, it's, everything's just right or wrong. And it's easy, it's always easy with youngsters to point out that the nasty things in life is, is, is very comprehensible. To, oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. And they're cutting down the trees, etc. And uh, they keep, as I say before, they've always, they've always shown the same clear-cut stuff from the 90, late 40s, which doesn't happen today. But that doesn't matter. See, fact, once, once you radicalize, facts don't matter. They're not t- t- opposing facts. And they're fed a steady diet in this at school from the, from the age of five or, or even, you know, even younger if you go to kindergarten <laughs> of how bad people are because that's the agenda. Don't forget the World Economic Forum comprise the, the top business people of the planet, the, the multi-billionaire, trillionaire, and who, CEOs who are in charge of these, a lot of these big corporations on behalf of the, the really the owners. Above everything, there's always another group and another group above everything. That's how you find things really work. Now, we're owned. I always say we're owned. I have no problem saying that we're owned. Your very thoughts are owned. They're given to you by somebody else, generally. Brzezinski said that. You know, a man who should certainly have known because that was his job, was to give you your thoughts to whole nations, in fact, uh, the Brzezinski, who also went over to Afghanistan, remember, years ago. And I put up the video where he's given a talk uh, to the to the <clears throat> tribesmen there in Taliban. And he's, uh, cause when they want, the, the U.S. wanted them to fight against the Russia, which uh, ruled over it then, occupied it. And uh, there's Brzezinski, you know, 
with his fist up in the air, using the, the revolutionary move. There's the clenched fist. You see, wherever you see that, you should really be very careful what's behind it all. So here's a guy who represents the Trilateral Commission and the Council on Foreign Relations, you see. A technocrat placed there. And he said to the Taliban, he says, your, your cause is a holy war, a just war, a jihad. And uh, that's what he told them. And that's, you know, he's back there decide, in, in America, once they get the war going against Russia, uh, telling that the, 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 given the strategy to the CFR and other groups too, as to how we should shape the minds of the next generation that's going to come up, with not just in the U.S., but across the world. Don't forget, the CFR is an international organization. It's only part of the same organization that runs the world, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And they've got a branch called the European Institute for International Affairs. They, they dropped the royal part because every politician in the EU parliament is a member of it. You see, from all countries. They've got one group for the Far East and Pacific Rim group. And uh, these are the same groups, remember, who manipulate behind the scenes all the wars that come and go. Right? The skirmishes, the real wars. And so. they, mani- they proudly boast about it in their own archives that Carl Quigley was the historian for, for a while. He's a prof- he was a professor. And, and he believed in it all. He, he was completely on board with it. He said he disagreed with some of his methods. And he also thought that, that, that it's, its importance in shaping history for about eight, 100 years, <laughs> pretty well, from the late 1880s anyway, onwards, that he was taking it from. He said that, uh, he said it was so important if the public only knew that, that the whole history had been shaped and fomented all the different things that happened, the big wars, and that, to bring a global society in, you see, a proper, a proper managed society. It wasn't supposed to be democratic. That's where people have... Democracy is a con game to get everybody on board for particular periods of the big agenda, you see. It's not meant to be real. And um, it's used for revolution. And revolution is when you speed up the process of what the elite want. That, that's the beauty of this con game. But anyway, Brzezinski said that. He, he said that um, the, the movers and shakers themselves, you see, the ones behind the scenes that say, okay, we need a, a little war over here. And, and it's the Hegelian dialectic. Most folk don't want to change anything in their lives. They really don't. Even the teenagers you'll see rioting right now and looting the stores, uh, they they think they, they might think they know what they want at the time. They might think that. But once in their mid-twenties and towards 30, they start to just wean off and so they get a bit fed up with it. They, they like, they, they, it doesn't matter where they've settled themselves in their mind or, or even their financial strata or whatever. They start to get kind of comfortable. This were routines, and they also became become a bit jaded from the, the, the. You start to learn there's gray areas in between the black and white reasons for everything. You see, things that they used to criticize their dad or their mum doing, like getting divorced. They might do it themselves. 
And, and, and they can rationalize it so they can start rationalizing it for their parents as well. Whereas before, they're, when they're younger, they may be furious at both of them or, or one or the other because the, the parents would split up. But then they go and do the same themselves. In other words, experience of life, especially in this chaos of this modern life, manufactured chaos, doesn't give them much of a chance to be different, you see. And they settle in their little, little areas, as I say. And then they don't want to change too much. So they've got, they've, by that time, the elite have already radicalized the upcoming generation you take over. And then the ones who used to be the previous radicalized ones who are now becoming sedentary and happy or is content and is, or accepting of the lot or whatever, get annoyed by the R group coming up. That's how the technique is, is done, you see. So because you get settled, you get settled in your ways. You can't get the big changes made from the on behalf of the rulers, you see. So they they they, they create what they call, they call it the, the the thesis. The thesis. Here's what we are. Here's what we do. So you got to, and, and as long as that goes on, nothing's going to change. You might have quite a happy society if you left it that way, you see. But so you create a, 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 something that's going to go against it, what it stands for. So that's your antithesis. Hmm? So. Now you've got a, com- a competing argument, or an argument started, and then they go at it. And out of it, you guide what you really were after in the first place, if you're the, the elite managers. And that's, that's the synthesis, what comes out of the argument, the agreement. Okay, we'll agree with this, and we'll do this. And we'll ch- so you've got your initial change. The communism is based on this, the dialectic. And out of that, that, that synthesis, you say, oh, so you're happy for a little while, but immediately they're, they're, they're starting again. Now I've got a new, the synthesis now becomes the new thesis. Right? And then, then you come out with the, with the antithesis, you see. And, and you keep going with, with this constant, that's pure Marxism, basically, and Trotskyism, the way it's designed for, for constant, constant change, you see, plan change. And you always decide what the change is going to be. And so you start the argument yourself, and and uh, you take it from there. That's that's just basic basic stuff. So you always have to train a new group of radicalized youngsters, idealistic, and and make sure you you own all the school systems and so on, so that they're brought up watching the the furry little animals. You see, that are hunting for a place to live. You see. And there's man, terrible man, destroying it. According to every documentary you'll see, that's what it's supposed to be. You see, it's supposed to, it's supposed to radicalize the youngsters. And and they use the same footage, as I say, and techniques across the whole planet, because the whole planet is under UNICEF and so on, and under basically a global curriculum. For, for Bill Gates is involved. He's calling it the new virtual. Um, Education, basically, that he wants. He he hopes he can lock us down for longer by any technique. It doesn't matter if it's rights or whatever, as long as they, and then they can start learning at home, basically on the computer. And of course, he'll be in charge of the curriculum because he, he had big input on on the present curriculum, the, the Common Core thing. So make sure that you standardise everyone's education or indoctrination. It depends how you you what we are giving them. You see. Education should really always have have arguments about pretty well everything, and you don't get that really, do you? You should be able to look at everything from all kinds of points of view, but you're not really given that. 
you're given a, a, a really um, you're given the Marxist technique of critical theory that's what they use in the schools. Where, but let's not look at that when William the Conqueror came in. Well, think about the people who were not fitting into society. How would it affect them? And that kind of thing, you see. Social engineering, to me, to me it radicalizes a youngster. It's quite, you can create, why do you think cartoons work with youngsters? The Soviets used cartoons to, to a great extent, not just for children, but right into adulthood. And people could even cry with with the poor the poor character in a cartoon, uh, losing their home because of the bad capitalist and stuff like that. They could make it's so it's so perfect the techniques that were used. Hmm? It's not cheaper than using Hollywood, like we did in the West. But uh, children don't have much of a chance, and they're the greatest targets for propaganda. They don't know it. The parents don't know it. But that's the best, because why do you think it's always different? And the parents say, I can't relate to my children. We are not meant to relate to them. The, 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 the rulers of the planet have already changed even the techniques of basic mathematics, so you can't help the children. It's been like that for the last 60, 70 years, at least. Maybe further back, eh? from the days of John Dewey. Because that was the techniques, don't, don't let the parents have any influence over the child. You want the child to say, oh, that's my dad or my mum, if they still have them. And so they'll look upon them as some kind of obsolete artifact that just feeds them and gives them money. That's what Bertrand Russell basically said. You know, add a little bit, a bit, but that's basically what he said. The only function for the parent eventually will be to, to feed and clothe the child and look after his needs, basically. And the state will give them the indoctrination or the, the education and their values for the new system. Well, here you are. You see, this is how it's done. It's not meant to... to if basic mathematics, there's no reason they can... Do it. Well, here's long division. Here's a different way of doing it. Why? Huh? It's so the parent can say, oh, I can help the child. The child might start to respect the parent. You don't want that bond there. That's why it's done. That's really why it's done, you know? I'm not, I'm not just guessing at this. And the same with so much more, too. Uh, they, they, they started get, to get rid of the older teachers back in the, about the, the 70s and 80s, the least sped up, and then the 90s, woof. And, and so you got more and more young ones, more and more and more and more young ones, and they wanted primarily women. Because they know, with their psychology and their behaviorism and all their, all their studying of the little people, all the little characters, which is us, that youngster, young children have a greater bond with their mum, you see, for years, but as opposed to the daddy. And so they got younger women in too, younger teachers in. And then in came the toolkits, the indoctrinate, they call them toolkits for groupthink. You want every child in a group, in a classroom, the common groups now, uh, every child to come out with the same opinion on every topic. You see, the authorized opinion. And the teacher, if, if, if the teacher is good, can actually go along through the toolkit. Oh, he's a little stubborn boy over here. How do I get that stubborn boy to, go to agree with this particular topic and what we want? We, we, we've decided, like democratically decided, open your hands up and say, are you on or, or, or with it or without it or against it or whatever? And, and, and there you go. And how to even ostracize them from the group, feel, make them feel insecure or, or kind of bad 
or something. You see, shame them. Which again comes comes right into adult life because once you're you've, you've you've been taught to be shamed, you see, like a dunce. They used to use dunces in old days, and the group goes ah ha ha and points at you like you're a fool. Uh, then that will stay with you all through your adult life. And they know that because you're supposed to be shamed now for your entire adult life. You see, you see it getting done now. Shaming, shaming, all kinds of shaming, you know. Yeah. Psychology, eh? Psychology, psychiatry, behaviorism. All these things working together. And, and they prepare the children who don't have a chance. They have no chance at all to be an individual who can think critically for themselves anymore. Everything's going to be emotive. Yeah. Attach an emotion to everything, you see. E- either right, wrong, or shame, or, 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 or anger, whatever happens to be. Make sure you attach it. And then you've got a, you've got a slave for life. You'll never know they're a slave. And then when you call them out to, to be to radicalize about this, that, or what, they'll go. Just like cannon fodder. They haven't got a clue. Haven't got a clue. That's managed that way. But isn't it odd? Isn't it odd that here we are, after months of being locked down with, with pretty well, uh, a pretty mild virus, pretty well, eh? Which was hyped out of all proportion, like like a horror movie. You lived through a horror movie, only it was daily, and it was called news. And all the ha- the newscasters and all the news organizations were on board with it immediately. Once the button was pushed, you know, just before, before March, just about the beginning of March, when they really pushed it, hype, hype, terror, terror, terror. And we had to build up to it beforehand, which showed you all the China stuff. My God, they're spraying the whole air atmosphere with this stuff and this spray across the hundreds of feet high. Eh? Well, if it's hundreds of feet high, it kill it off. Why? What was all this six feet apart sort of idea? No, it had nothing to do with anything, actually, except training you into stupidity and to, into non-social patterns of behavior. So the preparation went on, and then suddenly, and, and in the same media, they were lambasting people at the beginning, saying, well, you, you see what's happening in China? How come you're not talking about it? You know, have, have you seen what's happening there? And... Of course, uh, it was when a switch was turned in one day, and they all went into action on the same day. Every news outlet, every every TV show, and so on. Apparently, I don't have TV, but I get all the little clips through internet, and and the links are sent to me, and so on. As I've said before, the, the media was in the doldrums for years, because inter- internet pretty well put them out of business. A lot of them. And then they turned from basic news to, to, to paid subscriptions, right? And, and even then, uh, it was they were taking the same information off the net like everybody else. The day of the of the roving reporter was pretty well gone, and they laid off their staff. Uh, I don't think the staff really reporters now were taught really um, proper journalistic procedures and techniques and so on, and everybody was compromised. You see. Here's your, your right-wing papers, and, and here's your left-wing news outlet. You know, and this is how it's done. As a child, I used to know, how, how come you've got always, a, every country has got a star, you know, which is a left, and that's your, that's your five-pointed star. The same red star, of course, they had in the Soviet Union on their caps and uniforms. 
you see. Uh, but in, in the light side, you're in the light side, you had sun. It was always the sun. And and you had mercury and things like that and, and couriers. and uh, Everything was so black and white, wasn't it? And folk never really quite got it. Uh, but people would, would go into it automatically and, and that would be their newspaper for life, whatever party they belonged to. And, and, and even the left-wing paper, and Phil couldn't figure it out, except that, well, they did actually. My, my, my grandpa's age had a they pretty well knew that the big moguls in media, he never trusted them because they were the richest characters really in the country, a lot of them. You had British lords that owned oh, slews of newspapers, like, like you know, and uh, monopolies, basically, of hundreds of papers across the world. And true enough, even Quigley talked about the same thing, Carl Quigley, that, that these media barns would get together when it came to World War time and have their meetings and decide how to terrify the public. That He actually put that in his book, eh? How to terrify the public, get them to really hate whoever enemy is going to be before the enemy has even fired a shot. So uh, that's what they do. It hasn't changed. But when it went into like overdrive, suddenly, but oh my God, the coronavirus, eh? And lockdown, and oh, this is horrible. We're all going to die. They said, eh? And the only hope, Fauci said at the very beginning, eh? on behalf of himself and the WHO and the pharma companies and vaccine companies, well, there's no hope here at all except for a vaccine. You might have to be locked down until we get a There was no talk, or no, no whiff of ever getting natural immunity, as we've always got against every other virus that's ever existed. You know? no, no trace of that. First, a first in history, no trace of your own immune system. And even even when the people had tested positive for having had it, right, they had antibodies in their bloodstream. Even for those who said, well, they might not last very long. Well, if that wouldn't last very long, their own antibodies, why would your vaccination, which is supposed to create stimulate your body to create antibodies, why would that make better of your own antibodies than your own antibodies? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't they? It's meant to stimulate your body, create antibodies, right? So if you've already done it, what's wrong with that? It, it, nothing makes sense. When nothing makes sense, there's a big con going on in this world of conology. And getting back to the World Economic Forum, where all the big moguls and big pharma come, everybody who's anybody running us all in public private enterprises, because every big corporation on the planet has got its hands out to every country they're involved with for handouts, massive gifts from the taxpayer. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. And, um, and so they said, yeah, the, pub, the people are not listening to it. We'll have to scare them pretty well, eh? How can we force them to be post-industrial, post-consumerism, post-free trade, post-this, not just free trade, but post-service economy? Back in the 90s, I talked about the service economy. It was discussed widely in Britain uh, under the guise of the common market, which became the economic union of Europe. Eh? Well, it's just, a, it's just a little meeting place where people will meet and, and discuss little trade differences and things. That's what they, they, they tried to sell the public on in Britain for years until the word free trade came in, you see. Free trade. And in with the free trade, 
came the gradual abolition of taxes for imports. Now, all countries used to, in fact, <laughs> even the states, I think, used to get pretty well all of its taxes, its main taxes for the, for the federal government, for the country, from imports. And that was import duties, you called it. Uh, most countries survived that way. Well, with the gradual introduction of free trade, as it might call it, you see, it's free for the big corporations who do the exporting into other countries. But guess what happens? When you're not getting money from import duties, from taxes, from imports, you've got to make up the money from the taxpayer, the usual slob at the bottom. And that's exactly what's been happening ever since. That's the beauty of free trade. At least the big corporations pay nothing, you see, as they flog their goods across the planet. Although they, they, they actually moved it all to China to be the manufacturer of the planet pretty well. And then they can export it to all of you without you paying anybody paying import duty. That's what the whole fracas is about right now. China's starting to put more um, limit, put, to slap more taxes on imports into China. But it was called a service economy. Oh, whatever service economy, because not only would we start to eliminate all import duties, you'll have to start to accept so much, so many products from all the members. Different members will put quotas on things. And if you if you make so much, if your farmers continue making butter and milk, we're going to, have to dump a lot of it because we've got to, we've, got to, we've agreed to buy a lot from from Europe and France especially. And it put staggering amounts of of intergenerational families of farmers out of business by these darn bureaucrats. Honestly, you know. I mentioned Heartland, a great movie before with Anthony Hopkins, and it's well worth watching based on the fact, not just for one family, but many of them. And once you into, once you got bureaucrats running things, uh, nightmare, nightmare time. However, uh, uh, that's what they did. Oh, you're a service economy. You got to accept stuff. So before you know it, almost all your goods are made by outside companies and countries, and they're bringing it into your country tax-free. You're getting taxed more and more to pay to make up for the fact that there's no import duties coming in for it, to the countries anymore. And you're in a service account. You buy the stuff in. You pass it around from from the importers to the to, to the middlemen, uh, different layers of them, down to the store owner, and that's your business. Is just passing products made outside your country around. And the the the, the debates that they had this in Britain years before you heard of 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 the service economy in the West, the rest of the countries in the West, and the top economists at the time. Even the 1970s were saying, you know, the, if you go into this system of service economy, uh, eventually you, you'll accumulate so much in overwhelming debt, you'll go under. Because the country's losing layer upon layer upon layer of taxation. from Because from, you're not making stuff from scratch anymore, from raw ore, for instance, for steel mills. And to, and to the steel itself and the billets that are then sold off in the factories that make things from the billets and well, etc. Uh, these are all levels of taxation that the government would use. Well, again, the government loses out there. So guess who gets taxed all, all the darn more? Well, the slob again at the bottom. But even so, eventually, you stagnate. 
you, 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 because it, it, eventually you have so much stuff coming in from abroad. Uh, and uh, that you're not making money anymore in any kind of manufacturing, uh, and you have a glut of of, of material, especially when you, t- you take it off into places like China. It's such cheap labor, which the big bo- the same people brought you free trade, based all their uh, all their corporations. They moved them all there, and and you have the, in the service economy. I, I likened to a dog, a dog that falls into a swimming pool. And it paddles for as long as it can. That's a service economy. Until it's exhausted and eventually it drowns, it can't get out. That's what it is. And that's what's happening now, of course. That's exactly what's happening now. So, bingo, the the WEF, with all the top corporations there, there's nobody, there's anybody that doesn't go to it, you see. And we're nobody, so we can't go to it. It affects all of us. And the big corporations that shape our lives, you see, literally shape our lives. They all attend. They're all on board. They were on board like 20 years ago at the WEF for this whole agenda that we're now we're into now, this part of it. What are we going to do? The, the people won't stop. Uh, you know, they're, not, they're not bringing down their, their numbers. It's amazing how the WEF, you, you would think it's all business, but no. Every corporation there is into sustainability programs of the United Nations. Every one of them. They're all into the destruction of any kind of family unit. They're all for all kinds of new fad families, even though they won't last a lot. It's matter. They don't want functioning families. They really don't. And that's the hardest thing to get your mind around. Why would the, the richest people on the planet and the representatives of the richest people on the planet that's more like it, actually. Why would they all be on board with sustain- sustainability for the planet and depopulation, uh, austerity for a post-consumerist society where you're just going to have basic... Well, the thing is, and I, I wondered about it, too. I says, well, you know, when they sold off the electric... Um, Utilities. Every country had their own infrastructure. This was essential infrastructure. You must have your own energy supplies. Whether it's gas, electric, or whatever, gasoline, you know, petrol in, in Europe, diesel, etc. You must have basic infrastructure and your hospital. These are all part of infrastructure, especially in Europe, with the hospitals too. Essential things that for a country to sustain itself through any any possible catastrophe or a war even. I mean, Britain was starving from World War One right through the Great Depression into World War Two and through it and and after it <laughs> for a while. They learned. They certainly learned from World War One, and but they, they did the same thing in World War Two. Uh, they didn't have enough uh, food produce on for rationing. They were so dependent on imported stuff. Well, that's free trade again. And, and Britain, remember, is the home of free trade. Well, London is the city of London, where it was all designed by the makers and shapers of the world, the Lord Alfred Milner Group. And so the whole idea of having your own infrastructure is essential for a functioning sovereign nation to survive and look after its people. And bit by bit, you watch it getting sold off, right? 
especially since the free trade idea with Europe too, uh, later, eventually it became, let's sell off the water supply to, to foreign companies. They've got nothing in common with you. you. Who are you going to complain to when there's not enough water or you can't afford it? Your government will say, well, we don't run that anymore. That's just for private businesses and you know, we've got nothing to do with them. Right? Or electric, electricity, for instance, or even gas. You, you've had ongoing wars for quite a few years now against Russia and, and the, East, the, old East, the old Soviet bloc countries. They were going to pipe uh, gas all through Europe, plenty gas, and, and right all the way even under the, the, the water and pipelines to, to Britain. And of course, you had all you had big battles between between the elite who rule Britain. A lot of them don't live in Britain, but they rule anyway. And 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 against the elite, basically from Russia, big battles over pipelines. The Middle East is the same thing. Before they they, they invaded, <laughs> and we invaded Iraq and so on. They had the maps out there. They came out eventually. The maps printed up in the U.S. of oil pipelines that were going to go through all the different countries and where they were going to go and who would own them. The Ukraine is still going on. Why didn't the U.S. is in Ukraine with the, the scandals going on there with the U.S. Um, politicians and uh, <coughs> diplomats filling their pockets with, with uh, all kinds of goodies and so on, and, and gas, gas gas pipelines. And this, these things go on all the time. We're kind of oblivious in our little worlds because you're kept in an oblivious little world of, of make-believe and fantasy and stacks of awful entertainment. Generally, it's awful. It's getting worse all the time. You're not supposed to think any deeper. In fact, you've been trained that it's none of your business. What, the, what your betters, they used to call it, your betters are actually doing above you. What, what are you interested in that for? It's none of your business. Leave it to people who know what they're doing, you see. And that's what you're trained really in fact even even the, you know it works this indoctrination really works when your own peer group maybe members of your own family say, well, what do you care about that for you know you know and you say well i think it's important isn't it, it affects us all they say oh don't fill your head with that kind of and that's how, that shows you they're gone their indoctrination and training the, tra- the conquering of their mind, because it's a trained mind, is exactly how it was designed to be by the, the elite. They had the, the right kind of so-called education, you see, indoctrination. And, uh, and, and it's been reinforced all through their lives, through bits and, bits and bites, I call it, from the media. That's how they get little bits and bites of information. Uh, I think Jack's... Elal mentioned that people most will learn from then on, once they're into adulthood, it's just updating them. And it's done by osmosis. It's not that they think deeply about it. And it's not their fault, by the way. Huh? It's not that they think deeply about the topics. They don't see why they should think any deep, any further than what they're told to believe by the media. Like Brzezinski said, same thing. Right? And I used to wonder, as a child, the TV, after any debate about anything or any speech by a politician, you would always have two opposing sides of people who would specialize in politics. And they would give you their interpretation of what they just heard. 
and they'd sort of debate it. And, and you'd say, well, I never heard any of them say that. You know, it didn't matter because what, they were, what it was designed to do, and with the collusion of the two experts, by the way, it took years and years before anybody admitted to any of this kind of stuff. But the whole idea was to shape your opinion as a listener and say, well, that's reasonable. And then they would bring you to the conclusion they wanted you to have, you see. You never had better examples when it did come to the idea of the European Union and, and so-called free trade and all that kind of stuff. And when folks still didn't, still voted no, they, they, they said, we're going to keep bringing it back to the table every six months until you vote correctly, you see. So much for your democracy. So the elite have had their way for an awful long time. And the education system, they make sure you're given the right indoctrination. Is it Bill Gates? The man has his fingers in so many pies. It's just, just he, he just loves us all so much, you know. He doesn't want us to be, to be too many of us like his daddy, you know, the same thing. He's, he's very concerned about that. But he also wants you to be healthy for if you manage to survive, you know, and live. He wants you to be healthy. But he'd rather you didn't, you were unable to breed. I mean, he'd like that, you know. It's, what's wrong with that idea? I mean, H.G. Wells said it. He worked for the same organization, Wells, long before him. And Wells said it. He says, we used to think that, you know, we'd have to really kill them off all. He's talking about the useless people at the bottom, that the defunct, obsolete type, that's what H.G. was in a modern utopia. Because through this fictional travel by train and so on to different different places in, in this advanced system. And and, and Wells um, said, we used to think we'd have to kill them all. And, but we, we, we decided to be more humane and just sterilize them so that that generation would just die off. And of course, they wouldn't reproduce. That's what you said. And again, folk have a hard time disliking H.G. Wells. He wrote such wonderful stories, you know. He did. And uh, entertained us. So we, we, we forgive awful things be, being, being planned for us because we like to be entertained at the same time. Right? Is that logical? Well, see, folk haven't been taught critical thinking, how to, how to really analyze problems before there are even problems. If, if you really could, you may prevent a lot of the problems. But you're not taught that in logic as well. You're not taught that at all. There's simple, there's so many instances you're given of logic being abused. And they give you analogies and so on. But yet you had, you know, Rome, you had burning. Well, Nero fiddled, you know. In a way, it's like saying the same thing. It can all go to hell if you're being entertained well along the way, like H.G. Wells, you know. Mm-mm-mm. We're given happy, happy songs at times. It's not all sad. Um, or non- nonsensical ones, mind you, but it doesn't matter, you know. And, and they're, they're catchy little ditties. Catchy ones. They had uh, that movie. It was called "Oh, What a Lovely War." It was a musical type and movie, a, a satirical display of how it's all used against ordinary people, even for warfare. But in the movie, they go through 
the wonderful little war songs are churned out like like by a machine almost, you know, just like you had in in 1984, where songs and pornography were just churned out by machines. And now, of course, we have computers that automatically churn them out, but but that's coincidence. But the in over lovely war, they show you the the basic simplest techniques of how you recruit young guys in any country. Doesn't matter what country it is. You have the same little basic instincts to, to, to protect your nation and, and your people and all that, and you join up. And you're all going to be home before Christmas, you know that. Eh? And um, and they've catchy little songs, but whiz-bangs, the types of, of um, shells that would get fired above you and over you and towards you and on you. That's songs for everything, you see, including being in the trenches and covered in mud and, and happy little things like that, you know. So, because you, the last thing you want is for folk to say, for goodness sake, do you see what's happening at the front there? Our, our Tommy's been, been in the trenches for three years and his feet are rotten off with trench foot. And he's living with all these bits and pieces of corpses from, from previous battles that get buried in the mud and stuff. He didn't want you thinking about that. They want you thinking about, does your chewing gum lose its flavour on the bedpost overnight? And things like things like that, silly little ditties, you see, and they churn them out like crazy. Yeah, yeah they do that that type of song. I don't know that that's but that type of song, silly little things, you see, and and it works awfully well, really, because young guys are young guys. That no no young guy joins up to die. It's impossible he's going to die. He, he's this prime of his life. He just he can he can jump walls for goodness sake and be he's happy and. And all that kind of thing, you know. He's not even going to get old, even if he lives sixty years. He's not going to be. It just doesn't happen to folk like him. It doesn't happen. Yeah. And so they join up in every country, and they go off. And the basic propaganda—that's the first rule—is they must be given the most simplest propaganda. It's a rule. Everything that happens in life has been studied, and there are rules for all. But it's going to be simple propaganda. If you could just use those guys here are bad, that's, that'd be good enough. So you don't go too far beyond that. Because if you go into any complexities, they might start to analyze and say, for goodness sake, and, and, and try to pick it apart. So you don't want that. Make it simple and ridiculous at times. Just simple. And, and that's good enough. And they go off and uh, they do what they were told to do. Because wars are awfully good at culling the population, you see. And for those who are in charge of the culling of the population, you get the wars going. Uh, it's awfully profitable too. You can understand where I heard the people. And I really do <laughs> like the writings of, of characters in the past that touch on it, no matter if they're a bit... Um, off the wall at times, or, or, or again, too, is a lot more satirical. But um, Charles Fort said that we're farmed, he says. I think we're farmed. And we are farmed, like any animal. Which means if, if you're farmed, there's farmers. Hmm? And what do farmers do? Well, they, they keep charge, they're in charge of the stock. That's you, you're part of the stock. They know everything about you. They know who your maw and your paw is. They know, they know what your feelings would be. Oh, your maw or your paw is prone to this and that and the whole thing, and so is your grandpa or grandma. Yeah, that's how they work it out, you see. That's what you do with, with husbandry, animal husbandry. 
And every far- farmers generally would know the exact, you know, the exact lineage is going way, way back in their generations of their cattle and their sheep and all the rest of it. Just like beekeepers, beekeepers are famous for that. They they go right into eugenics, big time. And that's why the beehive is the first thing that was built for the Royal Society. This big elite club that decides what reality is for all the rest of us. They built a beehive, a glass one, to watch the the perfect, the perfect society, eh? With a monarch there running all at the top. And then the worker bee types, the, the, the bottom... But in between that, you got the drones that were kind of a priesthood that literally selected uh, what you were going to be by, by what they fed you. Hmm? And they thought that was wonderful. And it wasn't a novel idea. It was all the way back even to ancient Egypt. They had the same thoughts then. What what makes these peasants here on this this part of the Nile um, a bit taller than the other peasants up the Nile a bit, a bit further on, you see? And things like that. Studying, always studying your, what you own, and, and that includes the people. So we're, we're, when the, you, you take Prince Philip, Prince Philip is a very honest about eugenics. And his talks at the, at the different uh, Sierra Club meetings he has, and world, different world meetings with the, the different um, groups that, that he's a, a kind of chairman of, or he's probably retired now and handed it over to, to Charles, Charlie Boy. Or one of the other ones. He's quite open about it. He says, "Well, you know, he says sometimes when uh, we have a problem, we have a problem when when you bring when you see too many deer growing up on the estate, you know, and, and they start chewing the bark from the trees and destroying the trees, and, and we have to we have to do something about it." You know? And sure enough, they, they go off in mass shoots and things. Or, or you can introduce in other countries wolves, of course. They've done that in the States, in Yellowstone Park at one point. And uh, the problem is the wolves multiplied by killing all the deer off and everything else. And they killed everything else off. I mean, wolves will kill fox and, and every other com- competing animal uh, and eat them as well. But, but no, the, the, the eugenicists have no problems talking about that. Says, well, yes, you, you'll find, you'll find the, even the grass, the grass, you see, the grass changes too. Oh, and, and, and someday I'll come in and eat particular types of grass, and, and right down to the dirt, you see. And, and, and they say, you know, you've, you've got a plague of, of insects growing there. And so they go through this whole scenario of, of this, this domino effect, you see. And, but what he was referring to along the way was well, when there's too many people, it's the same problems. And so these are the characters that send you off to war and make sure that they profit because they're farmers. You got to profit off the animals. You think you think they're all we're all in it together, really, really? Do you really think that? No, they're not in it. They cause it and they run it all, but they make sure they profit from you. Big time. And these wars are very, very profitable. For, for every bit of cloth, for every, uh, it's, going to, uh, it's, it's going to encase whatever animal is, a human animal, that gets killed. I mean, that uh, means a new recruit has to come up with, get, get new equipment, new cloth, and all the rest of it, new, new belt buckles and, and gear and kit and you name it. That, that's very profitable. Awfully profitable. And there's no questions asked in war. Everybody, of God, is suffering and ration and accept it. 
or we're all going to get killed. Well, in the process, a lot are getting killed anyway, you see. But that doesn't matter. Terror is the greatest thing to to get folk to give up all their rights and freedoms. Hitler said it too. And he got it, he saw the same thing because he, he studied the communists that had taken over the Bolsheviks in Russia. You know, the terror, reign of terror. You see. And the people can't think straight. It paralyzes them. It does. It paralyzes them. He said that. They can't think straight when they're terrorizing. And that's always been known by... Napoleon knew it too, mind you. But that's the kind of thing that... Uh, that's the sort of technique that's used upon us. So, so terror is a great thing. You're all going to die, right? It gets you along. You're all going to die of something you can't even see. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, eh? And uh, they go along with that too. And, and away it goes, eh? It works every time. And you're trained. Why would you suspect of being conned? Do you realize you're trained to be naive for your entire life? Hopefully, that's what they want. Because it's horrific to think what what, what they're doing is something nefarious and nasty against you. Aren't they? Aren't they their own people? Are they? And so you believe it, and you're all being taught to respect the people. It's like being in the military. You get you get a whole series of command from NCOs all the way up. You see private NCOs all the way up, and and then you get all the ribbons and things, and and, and you get they used to call it scrambled egg on your on your skip, your cap, and things like that. And uh, and so you were taught to constantly to respect people with more spaghetti, or or scrambled egg on the skip of their, their cap, and and the beautiful the gold lanyards and so forth. It was really amazing how you're, you're trained, you see. But today they give you all these people with, with professors with a whole string of letters behind them. Uh, they could even have be, be do with uh, back scratching or something. You know, it doesn't matter as, as long as they've got all the letters there. And they're, as long as they're introduced with the proper importance, you see. And you'll sit back and go, oh my God, this person says we're, we're all going to die unless we just give up all our rights immediately. Mm-mm-mm. Back in the 90s, I gave a talk about the high priests that others have copied since <laughs> recently too, and and that from the ancient days. And India was famous too, and across the Middle East, but you don't think it. India was famous too. You see the old, the old um, observatories they have that built there for studying the stars, just like Latin America. Uh, some parts there much later on, but India was way ahead of them. And, of course, you, you find the Standing Stones in Britain and the Shetlands as well, and up north of Scotland. Um, they're all over the place uh, to, to measure and, and basically uh, guide the, or watch the stars. You know, gave them their seasons and their time and everything else. But again, good priests, good priests could... could and the, they've used it in different movies, like fictional movies. Good priests could, would also know when eclipses would happen. And they'd warn the people. And see, you know, if you don't cough up more of your jewellery here, uh, and maybe a few of your daughters extra this this month, uh, the sun's going to, on on this day, uh, the sun's just going to go black. And only we can stop it. And so they they throw the, they get get all the the, the treasury thrown at them, you know, the folks' treasures and stuff. And uh, and sure enough, along would come the eclipse, and the priest would stand up in his fine robes and stuff and and do mumbo-jumbo. 
to, to dispel it, and he'd say, appear, appear, and sure enough, the light would come on, eh? The light would come back on, and that was awfully important, and really impressed the punters. It was a good show. It was a great show. Yep. And that's how they used to do it. Knowledge is power, remember. That's, they really mean that knowledge is definitely power. Of course it is. So we, we live through a system where, where they bring on the people who are supposed to have the knowledge. And the last thing you're going to believe is that there's a big con game going on here. Why would anybody? Because you wouldn't do this. You wouldn't do it. You might tell a little white lie, but it's impossible to tell a massive lie to shut down a country or a nation's economy and way of living. Hey? So it must be true what they're telling you. Because you couldn't, you could never, you might do a little deceptive thing, but you would never, and that's the whole trick of it. And Hitler mentioned that, and Hitler copied it from others that had done it before him. <laughs> because the, because Machiavellis are always there in every country, and you can bring them in from other countries to, to advise leaders. They, and that's what le- these, these characters do. They, they, they've got these ready-made um, Machiavelli characters, well, well steeped in the history of chronology, how to con the public and use them. So, why would you why would you think they're going to lie to you? Why would you think that? Eh? There was a guy in Britain when I was a, a really young, and um, he come on. He was a comedian, but he was also introduced as a professor. And uh, he come on there, and he would use a kind of like a like a impressive technique of persuasion. With, with with the proper without like a vocabulary, and and, and make up stuff uh, of, of nonsense as they went along, uh, which would sound awfully convincing. The little bits and pieces you could make out amongst all the of uh, the highfalutin terminology he was using, but it was very impressive. And he went on for years with this this act of his awfully good, because he was showing you the techniques that were used to impress you, <laughs> and to make you think I'm a silly little fool. And he's a really, he's a genius talking to you here. That's, he was showing you the techniques that were always used upon you. Quite amazing, eh? Quite amazing. It really is. And, and it's true enough. Why would ordinary, in a tribal situation, I've given this example before, in, in a small tribe, even if you're a size tribe, say, say like a Zulu nation at one time, Children would, would feel safe because the rules were simple but unknown to everybody what the rules of the tribe were, you see. And so you, you would always know what to expect and what to see. Anything out of the ordinary didn't fit in would scare you, you see. And the children looked to the adults to, to, for, for guidance to be safe. And what they touch, what not they touch, what will eat them, what won't eat them, and things like that. And uh, that, that's what security is. But that can only work in a, in a tribal situation. Once you give over your children to outside authorities with its political and social agendas, it's just different altogether. Those who rule the world have always planned, often a century, a century and a half, maybe two centuries ahead. Actually, longer than that, in fact. But I'm talking about the media projects and stuff that they're working on at any one time. 
like a big business plan. And they know exactly, as I said before, when one radicalised generation starts to mellow out when they hit their 30s, late 20s and into 30s and so on, they begin to mellow. They've already trained another radicalised group with further indoctrination to take over. They won't even get on with the previous lot, you see. This was discussed by Beria, who was in charge of the secret police or the KVD in the Soviet Union uh, one time. And he gave a talk to the Comintern, the young, young communists, uh, went over to, to, to get their, their daily update on, on, or their yearly update on what was going on. And, and he said it used to take us a generation for big changes to happen. He's talking about 70 years. It took so it's a long time to prepare people and indoctrinate and indoctrinate over over a span of seventy years. Then you can make a big change on any particular area you see, or any one you'd actually chosen to change. But uh, today, but then he says today, and it's about nineteen thirties. He says with the proper indoctrination in school, with techniques, scientific techniques in school, we can make the big changes in every four years in a child. Amazing, eh? And so that by the time they hit maybe 18 years old, they were four years ahead with indoctrination to other causes or whatever it was going to be, that which they were going to get presented with in their lifetime. And by the time they were 24, they were already indoctrinated to accept something would happen when they were 24 and then something would happen when they were 30. All the, all the seeds were planted and trained and, and really in, and planted into their minds in, in, in like a sectioned, a sectioned system, in a sense, that would come out at the right times down through their, their life. And that they would accept whatever was given to them eventually, even 50 years down the road if they lived that long. The next phase, you see. Put the plants in first and they'll come to it and they'll think they're, they'll think they're reasoning through it. Yeah, I guess that's okay, I don't mind that. And that's how it's done. That was back then, you see. But getting back, getting back to... The whole idea, why would all those guys at the WEF, World Economic Forum, why would they be on board with the whole sustainability agenda, the, the gradual depopulation or even fast depopulation agenda, and austerity measures that the United Nations had the big drive of quite a few years ago about austerity. Everybody signed on to, all the countries signed on to austerity programs, your, your wonderful leaders that you, you think you elect. And on all sides too, left and right, you see, that's always what you find out, the left and right are all, always on board when it comes to the big agendas. Like, like, like you know, Jefferson said, when you say they see the same agenda uh, continue through different changes in the House, meaning the Congress parties, he said, that, no, you're under tyranny. We've been watching that for years in that case, we've always been under tyranny. Because with the big agendas of sustainability and all these UN programs that they sign on to on behalf of the big clubs that they belong to, that really rule them and give them their marching orders, then really it's, it's all planned ahead, isn't it? And, uh, and they all know it. They all, they're all for depopulation. And you, you take, you just, well, why would they be all for that when they've got this big corporation? Well, the thing is, you see, since they all live today, all of them in public-private partnerships. The Prince Charles was a the guy they sent out to initially popularize it some years ago, public-private partnerships. 
which means that they're given these massive grants because they now are really the infrastructure. It's not owned by the taxpayers anymore, even though we never really owned it. You know, they, were, they pretended to own it. But it's looked after by these elite ones, you see, who really own it, who are private. We pay for infrastructure repairs, for even for startups, for new roads and things, and they simply take the profits once it's up and running. Same with your water, your gas, and everything else. All energy, that's what technocracy was about too, by the way. All energy systems and infrastructure in a nation. And the technocrats, by the way, and their descendants are still running the show today. But, as I say, getting back to the whole idea, why would they be for, all for it? Do you think they... No, they've got enough, you see. They're all live, they're, the whole idea for the future is that the farmers themselves, you see, have the right to get more and more and more off of us as we, as we gradually die off and become sterile and just die off, basically, you see. Uh, that's the new system. Open system. You're, you're definitely a slave. The whole idea of... of of civilization, they like to say civilization began really when we stopped being hunter-gatherers yeah? and, uh, and, and, became, and got slaves to, uh, and made them into agriculturalists. So the slaves were the, were the, the peasants who, and you lived off, off their backs basically. And it's no coincidence that in certain religions, even today, <laughs> they'll tell you when you went to them, Bloomberg mentioned some about it, that farmers were the lowest form of life. That's from a particular religion. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, that was the basic uh, beginnings of civilization. We had a guaranteed food supply, as long as the weather was okay and you didn't get too many pestilences and all that. You had a good food supply, and it made a big, big difference, didn't it? So, the same characters are running the show today, technocrats and... Uh, living off of us, and they make it. It's all they do is write it into law. You see, so you don't. They don't say we're we're, we're running the slaves openly now. They don't say that. They say that we've now got different um, bureaucratic organisations to to help help sustain life on the planet. Eh? And how much you're going to eat, how much you're going to get or not eat or get, or whatever. Have you noticed too? Have you noticed? And it's along the same vein. So they don't lose. Before I get off that, they don't lose money. They get more and more all the time through different taxes and, and, and handouts, not just from your nation. See, one corporation can have a little a little office even in every different country, or maybe in a little manufacturing place in a bunch of countries. So they get handouts from them all. Each corporation does the same thing. Wonderful, isn't it? So the taxpayers fund them all for all the money that they're losing, basically. Um but as, as the population goes down and they, they can't either afford the same, uh, to buy the same amount of products or you're not going to even offer them to the people, the products to the people, you see. So they're not losing at all. They're all on board with the whole agenda. And they've all been told, too, that their families will come through for generations to come. And that, I'm, not, I'm not kidding you with that. That's a fact. They're told this stuff. They don't, eat the, they don't even eat the food that you get, by the way. Years ago, I did the talks when it, was, it came out from, from papers in Germany, and oh, Japan too, of these big domed, basically, places. They were growing the food for the, for the wealthy elite in domes. And that was at the same time with this, this topic. They keep saying it's a conspiracy theory of geoengineering. They were doing geoengineering years ago. They've been teaching this stuff in universities. I've got, I've got their own books here from universities. Eh? For years back, they were talking about it quite openly. But when you mention it, oh, yeah, conspiracy is not, because oh, the papers aren't talking about it very often. Well, 
So it doesn't, again, facts don't matter. But, uh, yeah, they, they don't want this, this stuff coming down on their food supply. And they had a news, did the newspapers some years back, these big domes and really huge greenhouse-type affairs, high-tech ones, though, with, with fantastically climate-controlled systems inside them. Uh, they never got the rain from outside. Uh, the water was from deep wells, which were ultra-filtrated and so on, except for certain minerals, were, which some, if they were light minerals, they even added to it. And this all went into the, the soil that didn't come in contact with the, the soil down below it. it was, there was, a, it was like concrete in between. And, and the people went in and out, treated it like a laboratory with, with uh, the full gear on and masks and everything and gloves. No insects kept going into the place. It's just astonishing. And then I found out uh, during the course of a, a month or two before the media lost interest in it that uh, they, they had one set up in Germany, two in other places as well. And the elite got their drawing rights from it. Did you, did you know that? that they're not going to eat the, the same poisons you're getting with the pesticides. So, <laughs> and they know what it does. Uh, and so they, they, if you really served the system well as a politician, or a higher level bureaucratic set. You got your special drawing rights, so you could your your family could get supplied with the proper stuff every month or whatever to uh, of the real stuff, and so you had less chances of getting cancers from the the herbicides and pesticides and so on. Uh, this is this is not conspiracy stuff. <laughs> it's not at all, and uh, and that's what they do to this present day, you know. They also get different vaccinations from the public. That came out, as I say, when Germany in the, in the 2009 or fracas came out with a so-called um, swine flu, when it was starting to paralyze people and things like that. <laughs> Unfortunate side effects: children, etc., were giving them um, narcolepsy. You know, they couldn't; they just, they just fell asleep all the time. Uh, they gave us the politicians in Germany. That's again, I put that up again not too long ago. I think the politicians in Germany refused to take the vaccine which they'd mandated that the Germans took. <laughs> the, you know, the, the, the working class people, the ordinary people, and so that special vaccines made for them. But I remember too that I think it was Bouchard in Canada. Um, there's a bit of speculation there because I know they did the same thing with Canadians. And there's different sites you can get for the injections, you know. And um, it was speculated, I don't know if I should even mention this, but it was speculated that uh, well, he, he came down with what was called flesh-eating disease in his, in his thigh, I think it was, about that time. I know they were given the shots, these specific shots, to Canadians at the time. And a newspaper article that mentioned it did say that his daughter and his wife both had the same vaccination, but they only had um, a minor irritation at the sites. You know? There's a lot goes on that the public have no clue about. You know? They really don't. Even that so-called necrotizing fasciitis, they, I mean, they had, they had the shot for that, supposedly. And uh, that could have had gone on what went with that. Maybe it, maybe it was just too active in certain people. It would actually uh, be more active or, or virile, I might say, in certain people's bodies and cause terrible disasters. Who knows? Everything's so secretive in this great uh, system, this socialized system we live in. By socialist uh, system, I, this is what the elite picked, you see. It suits them better. Democracy is a set at a club of Rome. It's too time-consuming. People think they've got rights, and they object to all kinds of things. 
that that's why in democracies you have this these panel discussions about well they, they might put a new highway down through your your little village there and 20 of you have to give up your homes to put it through. Well, you get little debates about it, and you keep debating until you get a good payoff, and then you can move. But otherwise, you wouldn't get, even get the payoff. And um, they can actually do with it some kind of domain, eminent something or another domain, whatever, where government can actually grab it if, they, if you just keep haggling with them too long for, for necessary infrastructure, whatever, whatever they want to call it at the time. I know George Bush, when he was in, he did the same thing for the States, and uh, his pals all grabbed land all over the place during that uh, that, that period. But, yeah, you, you, you get this whole thing going on, as I say, with um, a different set of rules for them. Uh, again, in the 90s, in the 1990s, uh, I think it was um, Preston Manning who was running in Canada for politics at the time. And it came out during his time, that, that period, that Canada and Britain and the States, and no, goodness knows how many other countries, probably Australia, New Zealand too, I betcha, and maybe some of the European ones, had all changed the, the laws for politicians and, and, and essential bureaucrats and so on. They would all, from then on to the present, obviously, but they would get preferential, specialized treatment in special military hospitals for if there any problems or diseases or whatever. And I thought to myself, well, what else coming down the pike, you know? That they would go and do that. And uh, lots of things have happened since, which would give a good idea what was actually happening. I know some of them still go today. And they get the the proper um, removal of nasty particulate matter from their bloodstreams intravenously by by the advanced techniques which are uh, used. Actually, some of them do that, and even some of the best writers in, in Canada and the States, for on behalf of the elite, they they do the the, the, the biographies for them and so on. Even they get privileges like that when one them wrote about it themselves, and they get detoxed that way. They're true detox, truly detox. So anyway, lots of things go on. Uh, that's uh, for, for the, the farmers and the farmers' helpers. You see, they get they get more perks and benefits than the rest of the general population. Now I want to say as well that uh, you take you take what's happened. From this obviously planned, planned. I mean, <laughs> COVID idea. I really think it's planned. Uh, the economy was shattered. The economy was completely shattered uh, before uh, two uh, thousand and seven, eight hit actually, and the elite lost nothing. They, they were, it's all been announced for years since there that uh, all the big corporations and big private investors and so on, all had their money invested in very safe havens, offshores in different countries before it all hit. They're all ready for it, you see. And um, that's always the way. And then the public end up uh, with all the, the incredible um, <laughs> spaghetti mortgages that they had, just tossing them and tossing them and, and reselling them like 10 times a day, some of them, by the different banks. This friend, this feeding frenzy, all knowing where it was going to lead, but accumulating incredible wealth for themselves during the process, and then it went bust, and all the poor souls that had taken on these 
these mortgages lost their homes, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Tent cities sprung up and the whole thing. We forget that, don't we? You saw these, these poor folks. These were, the, these were the, the bottom, the wrong working class types who'd, for the first time, they got a chance for a mortgage and everything went belly up. Uh, and um, and even today, they're still sorting out who, who really would own some of these homes because some of the banks were selling the mortgages and flipping them. So, as I say, sometimes ten, one mortgage you may get flipped ten times before the before the closing time, between different banks, feeding frenzy. So, those at the top made a fortune off the crash, you see, and then our our, our cash was all devalued by a good chunk since that crash, uh, because the, even Canada was given special drawing rights by the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve. All the big banks in the States, too, they, they got special drawing rights. You mean borrowing money at a high interest rate, and you're given so many years to pay it all back with this compound interest. Well, that's what crashed the, 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 can, the, the, the value of the dollar in Canada until now, you know, 2020. And for the last few years now, it's lost probably 40% value in purchasing power, maybe more. And now with this one, you see, because the, the, the WEF, again, they, they, they wanted another reset of the economy. That's what you mean by resetting it. Uh, bingo, COVID comes along. You're all locked down. And they print up money, or which is just nothing at all, or they just add the zeros on the end of a number in the computers. But you all have to pay it back, you know. You couldn't pay it back in a, in a, with a number and a bunch of zeros. But... Uh, when this is done, the, 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 this is a reset for the dollar. This is what a lot of it's about, is a resetting your cash value again and your currency, no matter what country you're in, with a, a much, much lower value in purchasing power, and then you're into austerity. And you've got to pay off the old one back, by the way. All, the, all this supposed fake money that was, that was drummed up you know, by governments has to be paid back to these, <laughs> even though it's backed by nothing, and nothing is backed by anything except chronology. Which is really the top science. If you want to, if you really want the top degrees, take a degree in chronology. You'll definitely benefit from it, guaranteed. That's how things really are. And um, just when when everybody was when the, when the news is starting to come out, and everybody's saying, "Wait, wait a minute here, I mean, these numbers don't tally up, and we're, millions aren't dying at all, etc., etc." And this lockdown, and we can't get to work, and. And you had all these governors in the states and so on uh, turning the police on the people that, that were breaking their 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 their, their homestay lockdown. Oh my God! And, and barbers getting locked up and fined for cutting somebody's hair. And then you see immediately, bang! Someone gets killed by the cops. And within a few days, charge with murder one of them. Other ones may be pending. What do we see? And immediately you've got this, again, this massive, massive coalition of radical left groups who, by the way, want the same thing as elites want, sustainability, right? End of all meat production for the common peasants and um, a vegan lifestyle, um, a post-consumerist type society. We'll all live in nature, I suppose, and... And maybe wear spider web clothing or something, but it's going to be wonderful. And and again, a, a zero carbon you know, economy, whatever's left of the economy, 
as they go out there and set fire to rubber tires and, and cars and everything on the street, you've noticed that they broke the curfew immediately. Huh? Across the world, that this this spontaneous but well organised massive rioting under using a, a, a poor guy's death as an excuse for it—that was just the excuse, folks, because it was so well planned, just waiting to get triggered. You see, uh, and, the, and and the elite let it happen, and the, the same governors in the states. So that's a good example of the states. Uh, they were, were sending cops out to arrest people and, and telling them and they, who broke their bomb, you know, they wanted to put them in prison and everything. They go out and join these folks shoulder to shoulder. No, no six foot dis, all, the, all that stuff that was mandated. It was like some voodoo law that was given oh, six foot apart and you better be. Or, or, eh? but, the, but the same governors, the same governors are out there marching for the cause, you see. And again, they don't, so they broke all the taboos, you know, don't break the six-foot rule. Lots of them didn't even borrow wearing masks. And they're walking through the smoke of the burning things, but they're all for carbon reduction, right? Don't want you to have a bonfire or, or even a coal fire, but it's okay to burn all these cars in the streets and houses down as well. And everybody's looking at this and saying, wait a minute here. So well organized, we, we know that, and we know it's not what they tell you it is. It's not. Uh, the Communist Party has been used for years by those who rule the world, by the richest people on the planet. There's only one group at the top runs all sides, and they'll use whatever is handy and convenient to use at the time and efficient to use at the time. And they decided long ago, as I've said at the Club of Rome, Another elitist group on behalf of the elite who run the planet about sustainable. Well, this democracy has to go. So they will use the left wing instead, you see, with all these idealistic mantras that will be taught. Because the left wing loves mantras and, and, and little things, you know, those sharp notes, and get the job done and, and do away with this idea of rights and democracy. You see, don't forget Antifa doesn't believe in the rights of the individual. It's in their manual. I'll put some of this stuff up tonight, in fact, if you want to download them. They don't believe in that. They believe in the collective society, but run by their own experts, you see, professionals. And um, But then no, no individualism, uh, you know, it's not allowed. I'm sure they'll allow a few multi-billionaires to show a bit of individualism, but that'll be it. You had that even during the communist year in the Soviet Union. But, um, that, yeah, it's much more efficient to have the organization just obey, do what you're told. They love, look at China. They love China. China is a collectivist society. It hasn't had a history of, of real, really unique individuals. They're collectivist. And they do see the, the chairman at the top is, is the man. That is their leader, you see. And when he is unhappy, they're unhappy. And if he voices objections against something, they'll all voice objections against it too. Immediately, oh, it just ripples right through the society. Woof, you see. And, and, and you're a good Chinese if you were serving food to foreigners before the COVID thing. But once the U.S. started to, to stir up against China... Uh, you, you were getting, the foreigners were getting turned away from the same restaurants and weren't allowed in. Quite open, they have signs in the window. They're not pro, they haven't problems with being racist or anything. No, they have no, no guilt complex. They're not taught to, that they were bad, you know. 
all these techniques that were used in the West, they're quite proud to be who they are, and they love their own people, and that's, that's good enough for them. So, yeah, it's, it's efficient. And then look at that. Rulers, and, and all those who serve the rulers, the psychophants, you know, the, the psychopathic psychophants. The, a psychopath in a, in a structured system of militarization, for instance, with their own rank, you know, it's, it's like steps going up. And if there's a one on every, different, every other step, and all going up the side of the pyramid there, they see the one ahead of them and the ones ahead of them too, but they see ones above them and they'll, 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 they'll gloat and do everything for, oh my God, you're wonderful and, and praise them. And, but the people behind them, down the low, uh, one rung down from them, they scream in horror at them and fury. That, that's how it works in socialism. It really is. You know? that, that's how it is. The psychopathic uh, management of socialism. And there's no, there's no lack of them. I mean, you, you, never put your faith in humanity as such. If you've studied history, you, you'll, you'll lose it all. I mean, really good history, really true history, factual stuff. Stuff that hasn't been scrubbed from the books, you, you start to lose it. Don't, don't, uh, don't put your faith in, in human beings. There's one story I've got even here, just one of many, but... I've seen this happen before too. That see, everybody in the world is tempted by things, you know. In a materialist society where money is king, you know, and, and the more money, all you've had for years from the media when they stopped giving you news until this COVID thing, and suddenly everybody's watching the news again, which they love. Um, they were giving nothing, but all you were getting for news were celebrities, what the celebrities are all doing when they're locked up, of course, what could come as well afterwards, and, and stories about how, how did they cope in their big estates and things, eh? But that's what they gave you for news for years. That's not news. You ever wonder why they stopped when Hollywood was created? They came in to build Hollywood and made a massive business a very lucrative business. Before the actors and actresses were look, looked down upon to an extent on the stage, eh? And the, and, and the female actresses, the, the Me Too's, they weren't really going at that back then too because they were often invited after a stage into some posh person's house uh, to sing for their supper, as they would say, and maybe do something extra too if it was required. That's how it really was. And so they were looked down upon by society. Uh, they weren't paid that much at all. But when Hollywood came in and the managers came in of making big money, they created this thing called stars. Why did they think they picked a star? Why didn't you see the star everywhere? The star on, on, on the caps of the communists? Huh? Why, was it, why was the red star on the communists and the white star on the fuselages of the planes of the Americans and on their tanks? Huh? Why do you think that is? Eh? And... and, and the saying that people follow the stars. They give you these people, they, they, they pump them up into being superhuman until everybody sees them as gods. Oh my God, look at, look at that. Boy, she's, got all, she's got millions, millions of bucks, for goodness sake, in big mansions. and Materialism, materialism, materialism. And you follow the star. And then they start giving opinions. They're told what opinions to give to the public. 
Well, I think it's good to, that you shouldn't have children. There's too many of you, you know. And I think maybe abortion's fantastic. And yet it didn't. And before you, well, they say that, and you follow the stars. Their opinion becomes your opinion, you know. And it doesn't occur to you a lot of them. They're all getting paid for this, by the way. Even for their opinions that are given to them. But when they recruited Clooney and uh, Jolie, I think it was, into the CFR, Council of Foreign, amongst with other ones too. Uh, again, he's the star now. And, and they said that in the CFR's own magazines at the time, Foreign Affairs, they said, we're bringing down in stars now because they'll bring in they'll bring in their followers and they can give opinions out there which the young followers will adopt, you see. Everything is managed. Your opinions are given to you. They, they didn't give you some ugly creep, you know. They didn't give you the hunchback of Notre Dame in ragged clothing with an opinion, it may have been better too. The guy, at least, at least the hunchback was well educated, you could tell in, in the last movie they made. But here you've got these characters that play clowns and everything. Yeah? And folk you definitely wouldn't want to be giving you opinions, but the youngsters follow it only. Quite, it's such an easy trick, eh? Stars, stars, eh? Hmm? I tell you, you're going to be a star, yeah. It's all rats backwards, by the way. Star, you know, star, right? Oh my God! Oh. But anyway, that's what you've got. Systems of running the opinions in the minds of the public, and the public never really catch on. They think they're coming to their own conclusions about pretty well anything and everything. And as if they've been, if they've had the right indoctrination, like Jack C. Lowell said, uh, from birth, from from from, young, from early schooling. That prime indoctrination technique is given to the children. A casual observer would, but would hardly notice anything unusual. There's a scientific technique to it. And it all said, if they're not given that initial indoctrination, then subsequent and later indoctrination will not take with them. It won't work with them. That's how it's done. You supplement that with all this, the children's books, they have all the latest PC things written into them, little stories about, well, two this and two that, you know, whatever it happens to be. And uh, in, in a smoke-free environment, people, people, you don't see them freezing in igloos anymore. That will come, but, uh, and they'll be happy in their igloo, right? But yeah, I mean, a carbon-free society, totally vegan. I mean, Jolie came, I think Jolie came out a few years ago when they were trying to push this vegan idea of eating crickets. And... Uh, I think even there were some people, even subsidized by the big corporations at the top, you know, that pushed these kind of things. And they came out with, I think even Bill Gates, but probably had money in some of them. But it just doesn't take off, you know. We're not that sporting. We just don't play cricket. And, and, but here, here, these are sandwiches for crickets and stuff. I get, they get a lot of them in Africa right now with a plague of locusts, eh? And tell you how wonderful it would be. And how people have eaten that for years and... And it's centuries ago and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite amazing, as I say. But as I say, they never had the, the hunchback in Notre Dame with his ragged clothing out, uh, eating one of these things to sell it to you, did they? It's just too easy to manipulate the public and to indoctrinate them. And the techniques are so well understood. So well. But as I say, the elite at the top... And those who serve them, just below them, the big CEOs and so on, they, uh, 
they, they don't go without. Uh, it's, they can cut back on supplying you with water. Uh, it's made up, the difference is made up by the taxpayer and big grants to them, public-private partnerships. As they, they cut back, as they're going to do eventually, with electricity, all energy sources, by the way. That's technocracy. And um, then, again, you, you'll... They, they lose nothing. If they have the population, they wouldn't lose anything. That Whoever's left will be paying the extra difference, you see. This is how it's all arranged amongst them at the top. So that's why they're not worried about cutting back, cutting back the population by this or that or the other. They're going to get made up by those who are still working. And through their arrangement, their agreements with the governments. And the governments are on board with the con game. And so are they. Everything's a con game. Of course it is. It's a con game. As the, the whole curse of pure materialism became completely embedded in society, we've lost all our humanity, even at the bottom level. At one time, the people could help each other out. They, they had to help each other out. The basic tribes in Africa helped each other out, and the tribes themselves, when times are tough. You share. In the UK, during the horrible twentieth <laughs> century, horrible from war, 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 and, and rationing, rationing all through it, pretty well up until the sixties, really, even into the seventies. The, the folk, the folk really uh, maybe ate a little better in nineteen seventy, but but up until then, uh, the rationing in Britain. Once it went out, the folk still under wages and price freezes and things. They couldn't afford all that stuff. And it was quite common at one time uh, for, for people to borrow from their neighbours back and forth. And when it was your, their turn, they, they'd borrow from you and vice versa. That's how things were with people. Well, that, that's going by the wayside with, with the welfare system. Now you've got bureaucrats you have to go and, and get the third degree from. Why do you need this? Mean, a means test, you know. Why do you need this? How much do you want? What makes you think you need that much? Blah, 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 blah. You see? At one time, the people helped each other. That's how it was. When you bring the social systems and run by governments and agencies and bureaucrats, it's another level of this bureaucracy is, is tyrannical. It's what it is. And humanity goes out the window. They have no, nothing in common with you. They don't see you as people. You're a number. That's what your social insurance number is, your sin number. Hmm? The sin of being born as a peasant. But meanwhile, they've got all these, these radicals out there thinking, thinking they're fighting some kind of wonderful revolution, a communist lefty revolution, to bring in another utopia. That's what they think. As they destroy the infrastructure and help the elite gigs, the lockdown was wearing off. The COVID thing was wearing off. And bingo. Income, what they think, are the radicals who, who think they're going... No, they're, they're slowing the, 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 any return to the economy again. And the cost of, of repairing it all is going to be phenomenal again. Massive debt. Who, who benefits? This, the ones who brought you the COVID are the ones who are going to benefit. It's a continuation, folks. And the media, once this is over with the rioting... The media will go into, into overdrive again, right back. And the same characters who, who suddenly told that the virus to stop spreading temporarily, who well, can march side by side with the protesters, uh, they'll, they'll be put in a lockdown again. Oh, it spiked, Mike. Oh, you, you can't cut that hair anymore. Nope. Nope. 
six feet apart. Yaddy, all that nonsensical stuff that I told you was made up by a schoolgirl, for God's sake. Hmm? And But Daddy worked for the military-industrial complex, and he managed to make a dogma out of it, a computer analysis of how far apart you should be. Have you walked behind somebody with a cigarette on a calm day? You'll see that, that smoke trailing from their breath, sometimes 20 feet behind them. Six feet's nonsensical. It makes no sense. It's a made-up socially destructive number that's its function to stop you we're we're we are social beings the games that are getting played right now are, are astronomical and the folk are becoming neurotic i want to put up uh, <laughs> a comedian's um, youtube because often the best way to show something is in comedy and satire and he starts off with oh my god how many folk are going to die with this virus and and then he goes into all the folk have died in car smashes and, and, and this, that, and all the different kind of ways of dying. It's just uh, staggering. And of course, you collapse at the end when, with utter neurosis. You're not living in, in what's called a, a sane, honest system at all. Deception upon deception is phenomenal. Another clip is by Como in New York. Saying, like a, a true politician, the same guy that helped to, to, to make sure that lots of the nursing homes had to accept folk who were coming in with COVID to, and to kill off all the old folk. I mean, he did mandate it and threaten them all with the law if they didn't accept uh, cases in to the old folks' homes. And the slimy politician that he is, like they all are, you know, and they know part of the game, you know, they're, they're not stupid, they've been, they've been in a long time. And they get little bits and pieces from their superiors way above them of what's running the world. But he, but he starts to play, he plays the immediate game. Well, you know, I, I, even though it's up to you that you you could have all of, of disobeyed the law and all the rest of it, he says, and go out and say, I couldn't stop you, he says. You, you can, they can only work with your compliance, he says, you know. And it's, it's saying a, a, a legal truth, you see, legalism, legalism. You, you accept it. You comply with it. Then you'll blame them for it. That's, that's what he's saying. You'll blame us for it, but you complied with it. He says, I had no real authority to make you all sit in your homes and stay there and yada, yada, yada. Or shut your businesses down. But of course, he'd turn the cops on you regardless. Yeah, he did, you know, that way. They're all liars, understand. And it's no different than, than any of the rest of them. Uh, politics is a show today. It's a complete uh, vaudeville act, really. It is. In every country, it's the same thing. And it's rather odd, too. Do you think it's rather odd that every country is on board with the same agenda, the exact same, exact same agenda? And they listen to Fauci more than anybody else. Folk can't go to churches to worship God. But they all tune in to listen to Fauci speak every day. Eh? Who elected Fauci? I would say, I personally would say, when you look into his history of what's been involved with him, uh, he is heavily, heavily, um, what would you say, um, he's heavily uh, in with the big, big powers that make the big, big money and the big, big, big agenda. I mean, Bill Gates has been open about depopulation. 
and sterility and all the rest of it, you know. Sterilizing. He's been very open about it, like a, a lifelong cause, like his dad before him. And uh, and he's dishing out cash, cash to Fauci's organization and every other organization, and the WHO and so you, like, you can't get past this incredible chain. It's like a chain, right? But chain links are all linked to each other intricately. And nobody's elected any of these people, but they're dictating to all of us and the whole planet along th- through, the, through the WHO. <laughs> wow. That's quite the feat, isn't it? I tell you. But as I say, yeah, they're, they're on, and again, none of them are come out in any. What government has come out and says to all these rioters, well, you've got to stop this, you're, you're putting everybody else at risk and danger. It, it's gone out the window immediately. Eh? And I've noticed even during it, the only thing that Fauci has said is, y- you know, he says, we, we might start easing up in the fall for the lockdown thing. And even though everybody's ignoring them, we, we might start easing up in the fall and children might start to go back to school. Some of them maybe. Well, Bill Gates had that reinventing and reimagining education. Did you see it? What a power to be given to the hands of anybody, like a guy like Gates and his organization. So every, everything and every thought for every child and every every part of the curriculum and, and their indoctrination into big agendas would come from Bill Gates. Give me your mind. Give me the children's minds. Oh, yeah. There you go. You don't vote for any of them. And you're used and abused. And they've been quite open about their big agendas, really. They really have. The Club of Rome definitely has been. Hmm? Democracy just is too cumbersome. Folk have rights to complain. You, you, you're going to put a road through my village? No, you're not. You know we're, we're going to debate this. No, no. They, they would like to be like China and just say, get get you know, get out of that village. You know, we're moving you off and get the road done. That was it. You know, no debate, nothing. They really drool when they look at China. Tyrants drool at any kind of collectivist society that, that obeys their, their, their leader. The West, you see, we've developed differently, no doubt about it. And I think the northern societies, the northern peoples, were more more independent, really. The cold climates and even back in the old Viking days. I mean, it wasn't you didn't have big, heavy populations in any country. And you really did have to think independently in small groups to survive and go hunting and all the rest of it. You had to do that kind of stuff. You couldn't just be settled in the same place all the time when a terrible winter or even an ice age came in and out. You had small ice ages too. Even in Britain, Britain, they know that they had, they had ice, quite a few ice ages with people who followed behind the, the, the thawing. It would move into Britain and then ice ages would come back and they'd move back out and they'd come back in once it was gone again. This is, this is a life. It's vastly different from warmer climates. Where folks could have, look at the ancient cities in the Middle East. Where they had a pretty well, a, a warm belt around the equator for a long time. Even though the equator was moved at times too. I mean, it did, from different uh, disturbances uh, there, shifted its axis a bit here and there. And we know when there was an equator went through what was, was actually Siberia at one time. 
So anyway, uh, yeah, we 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 definitely are, are vastly different and, and more independent, uh, or we used to be more independently minded than than China, and uh, definitely um, we did our own thing. I don't think we we had the same obeyance, a groveling obeyance to to leaders in the West either. But that's what the elite want, and and the only way they get it. And look look what the look at the nonsense that's going on. Eh? It's the grovel for the saviors to, to save them all, the bureaucrats and the and the medical profession to save them all. There was a guy I was reading too, just going through different articles there. And um, you should look at all the uh, look at everything. It doesn't matter if you're if you're hostile to different things or whatever. Look at everything. And if you label like, any group has been a complete totalitarian system, like 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 China, like like every individual in it, you're going to miss out on things. You can see uh, the vast consensus program, but there's always occasional individual here and there. And one of them was talking about. It just struck me after looking at all these these people smashing windows and looting, and and the guy says that this is this is like Kristallnacht. When the the, the the Nazis really, and and there were other groups with them, by the way, that were really communists as well. But by the, at that time, before they got rid of all the different groups, went, went through all the, the the different commercialized areas and shops. And the Jewish areas, and smashed all the windows and st- and stole stuff, but mainly smashing. That's what they call Kristallnacht, you know. And uh, and I thought, you know, that's exactly what you're looking at. But the, the people in the states that are doing this are, are calling themselves anti-fascists from the 1930s, even using the same flag and everything else. An anti-fascist movement. As I say, I'll put up their manual tonight too for those who want to. To uh, look through it, you should look through it and see what it, what, what, the, what their manifesto is. They all have manifestos from Karl Marx to the present time and, and the Communist Manifesto to the present time, and they'll use every excuse to get it. And you'd think you you would hope you would have hoped they'd have learned something from the Soviet system, where it, it was so dysfunctional with bureaucracies. Towards the end, I can remember when a documentary came out that, that uh, they were so short of basic essentials, even gasoline and diesel and so on, but gasoline for the taxis in Moscow, and they were only allowed to, to each taxi was only allowed to do so much mileage uh, per week that they, they'd, they'd jack up their cars and turn back the odometer and so on. To keep, otherwise they said you've come to a standstill. They said, they talked to the different taxi men and so on. They had trains at one point. They would leave on time, but there'd be nothing in them for freight trains. There was no, no freight. Eventually, it was so bad. The appearance of things had to keep going. You see, and that's what they were given out to the West anyway. And uh, I remember as well the, the talk by Gorbachev. The president at the time, and um, and he said, he said to the Politburo, and I think it was Eric Margolis, in fact, who used to write for the Toronto Sun and different newspapers, the Sun Group, and and he printed it as well. That, that uh, Gorbachev said to the Politburo a speech. 
It's, it's a short you'll hear that the communism, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, is dead. But don't believe it. It says we're moving into a new phase and spreading out. And I thought, well, that makes more sense because, you see, I could never fathom. I could never fathom, for instance, why the left in, in America all went along with the, with the, the phony Cold War idea. It, but of course, they all, the top ones all had investments in the same um, missile programs and so on, and, and products would never get used. But it's awful lucrative. Uh, that's part of the reason, no doubt about it. But at the same time, when you go back as far as Vietnam, and even before that, with the, with the, the McCarthy era, and, and also with the Rees Commission and Norman Dodd, and that whole Rees Commission, where they had to, that commission was sent out to ground out the foundations, the Rockefeller, the Ford Foundation, Carnegie Foundation, all these different foundations that fund all the non-governmental organizations, armies of them, which fund the educational indoctrination systems and so on. And, and they went in to, to ask them, well, why are your programs really promoting communism? And it was the CEO of the Ford Foundation at the time who talked to Norman? He says, "Well, he says, our, our part of our purpose, part of the purpose, right, was to, was to eventually seamlessly join the Soviet system with the American system, education-wise, culture-wise, and everything. That's what it was. Through through that through a generation or two, that's what it was to be. It's all happened, folks." So when Gorbachev was talking about it, you don't, don't believe it. Moving. The, only, the, the, the U.S. had stacks of communists in it before even World War II. So did Canada. So did Canada. In government and, and in bureaucracies. You know? Quite phenomenal. And, but, but the general public, it's not the system which they suspect it is at times. And it's, it's awfully lucrative for those in the know, those communists in the know, very lucrative indeed. And as I say, for sustainability and, and a post-consumerist society, because that's what you, you, you're, you're the consumer society, now you're going post-consumer, except for the ones who smashed the windows and robbing the stuff. They're the only ones consuming and, and still shopping. It's uh, it's going to austerity. That's always been the plan for a long, long, long time. For years, that was the plan from those at the top. How do you get the public to go from there to there? You see, well, we could do a war and terrify them. We could do yeah, the plagues are good, you know, and uh, cutting back the food supply, which you're going to definitely have. You're going to have famines coming into the West as well, and it's quite amazing. It was bad enough what happened with the COVID thing and the shutting down of meat plants. And all. It just falls in line with the, with the meatless society, eh? the, the vegan system, right? the, the, the WF program. Isn't it astonishing that everything just falls along with the, in the direction of their big plan? It just, they just have, they got a lot of luck, these people. They do. They got the best clairvoyance on the planet working for them. They're called futurists. They plan it all for them. And, uh, and then you have this Antifa group actually threatening it. There's articles out now 
I was waiting for them to see them, and they, out they came as I was waiting. <laughs> They're going to go after the food supplies now, and actually, just like because they've also got the Antifa's also got the Extinction Rebellion group with them, and other groups, but the Extinction Rebellion. They were going after the different farm animals in Australia and different countries and attacking the farms. And outcomes just the just the other day there, the Antifa groups and all their threats, and, and they don't get stopped. They notice that they don't get stopped. You said it's only townsfolk here and they're stopping them. But everybody's been told to lay off them, obviously. <laughs> really? Huh? Don't you think that's odd in itself? Don't you? Don't, don't you see, where are the, the armies of police? Where are the, where, where's the National Guard actually going, going forward and stopping and rounding these folk up? They're burning and looting and destroying your homes. There's an aide of Obama one of the, his, his women, female aides, came out and started screaming at these people who come into our community and we're burning a place. And she says, we live here. What are you doing? And these were the real agitators that are well-schooled and trained in Antifa. This isn't some... Uh, they're trying to make it out that it's not organized. Well, absolute rubbish. <laughs> absolute nonsense. They've been training these characters for their leaders for years and years and years. A lot of the followers are, are, are easily like any cult group. You, it's easy to create them. It's, it's not hard at all. The young people see things in black and white, no grey areas. You see, and you feed them some something. Oh, look at these terrible folk! The capitalists are running the world. Oh my God, and we're the good guys. We're the we're the we're the left wing. You know, we're a communal society, and and we'll pass bread around and sing kumbaya. And all be equal and all that. Absolute lies. Just like, did you see the multi-billionaires that fled Russia at the end? <laughs> all equally. But uh, facts don't matter to the youth. It's, it's easily radicalize them, how unfair the world is. You feel that when you're young. Easy to get radicalized. The world's just unfair. It's rotten and unfair. And you want a target for it all. And, and they give you, they supply you with the target. It's their fault, you see. Their fault. And there's always a bit of truth in a lot of it, but it's always all their fault, you see. And the, the people who are training you, who, who are going to take you over, don't tell you what their real agenda is. And never tell you what their real agenda is. No, no. You get, the whole idea with communism was to make things so terrible for the ordinary people, they'd, they'd rebel against authorities. They, they, they had... They had part of their manifestos out to, to their trainees back in the early 1900s and, and through the ongoing revolutions after 1917 and other parts of it became a Soviet bloc. Any religious organizations or any charitable organizations sending and bringing food in to, to, the, to the, the peasantry who are living in dire straits, right, or anything, even fuel, heat them, must be stopped. You must make it as miserable as possible because if you, if, you, if you don't, if they start to help the poor, they're not going to rebel. They're going to be in desperate straits. So, so you stop the food coming into them, you stop everything coming into them until they do anything to try and stay alive. And join us and off you go and you start slaughtering people. That's how, that's it. That never changes, folks. It never changes. To start a cult is quite easy. You create a bubble of reality around them. You're now part of us. 
you've found the creed that takes you in without question, no matter what you are. Have you noticed all the rainbow colours out there too? They've got everybody involved in it. This came out, as I say, back in the times where I saw that communist come in from Russia, who was from London, but who travelled all through the States and Canada every year, back and forth from Moscow, training the organisations openly. But uh, yeah, he said we must bring them all in, and now they've got them all in. Everybody who feels on out the fringes, for whatever reason, even when society accepts them, doesn't matter. Bring them in, and and it adds to your numbers. They're still radical enough that they're unhappy with themselves, but, but turn it outwards. So you create a bubble around them, and a cult does the same thing. They love bomb the people. Oh, welcome! You're oh, you're so well until they really feel, and then they start giving you the tenets you got to believe in. And then you're radicalized, and you're ready to go off and fight for them, and maybe, maybe even kill for them. That's how it's, it's quite easy to do, create a bubble of unreality, you know, inside it. And see, this is the reality, and outside there it's dangerous. These are the bad people everywhere. It's so easy to do. This is well understood. It comes from manuals and so on. And the great joke was always, uh, they, make you, they make you work for a better Tomorrow, you never get it in your lifetime. It's also a better tomorrow for some down the road. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Wasn't the Soviet Union too? And I feel so sorry for the folk in, in Russia. You know, and, and even today they'll say, "Well, I may have worked a bit better if they didn't have number one the Cold War, uh, number two if Moscow didn't have the, this this imperialistic push, which it was definitely imperialistic, spreading outwards, yeah? and it had its own class system in Moscow, big time, absolutely." They saw themselves as, as almost a different species in, in Moscow, the ones who ruled it all. They were not equal by any means, mentally or, or, or financially. That's how they saw it all. But anyway, we're on our, our road now to the big one. As I say, as the anti-founder asked them, are going to make moves towards the, the food supply, what's left of the food supply. It's going to be hard times for everybody, folks. I hope you understand what's happening. Because this is part of a revolution. And a revolution which is agreed upon with, with those at the top is to suit their purpose. Of Otherwise, believe you me, they would, they would have nipped this in the bud years ago before it even started now. They had the power. They have the power now. So if, if it's been unopposed, and you've got even the, these, these, these con uh, politicians and governors saying, oh, we're joining them all as well. And just COVID's out the window and, and, uh, and they're walking there and rubbing shoulders with them. Using some poor guy that was killed, brutally murdered, is an excuse. And, and that's the standard thing, use them as an excuse. They're disgusting. Disgusting, is what I can say, for what they actually, they're actually doing, you know. For a cause, the general public will have no idea what it really is. They never do. They never told this in TV by the TV personalities uh, what it's all about and what the goals truly are. It's not pleasant what's coming down. But yeah, when when you see uh, literally uh, the cops, the cops have no backup to stop anything. They're, they're the bad guys right now, right? And they're not going to risk themselves when when their own leaders aren't saying we'll back you up. That that's it. That's a Milgram experiment off the bat, right there. You know, that's it. If those in authority don't back them up, they're not going to do anything. Same with the National Guard, or even if you brought the military in. If the president's going to keep quiet about it, no one's going to get used for this. This is obvious. 
But it's obvious that, that uh, there's an agreement by those at the top. And all the peons of all sides are all, are all playing their part, going along with it. It's obvious. There are no sides left and right. It's just a game. This game of democracy, the appearance of democracy, which has stopped people having real rebellions <laughs> because you vote the, the other crew out every so many years. That's, that's, that's the con behind it. You've never really had a real functioning system, especially in America, in the States, I should say, for, for a long time. Quickly said it himself in Tragedy and Hope. He said that in, in the 1960s he wrote the book, or published the book, and he said, I think for, for, for at least 60 years, the heads of all governments that are elected, all parties, are, are a member of this organization that was pretty secretive at the time, concerned foreign relations. And then they came out with the trilateral, uh, which is a special branch of technocrats after that in Carter's era, who, to get things done again. They just place them in power, don't get elected, they just put them here and put them there. They even put them from the, from the European Central Bank, remember, into Italy and Greece when they were collapsing. Just push them in there instead of being prime minister. Just, you, you do the job. Unelected. That's what technocrat is. Remember, too, before I get carried away, and um, you can help me take along by going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Remember that, folks, because I, if I forget it, no one does it. And um, I can keep going as well for, for a lot longer. Uh, because I've got different websites to keep it going and all the rest of it. So you can always throw a few bucks my way, um, maybe every week or two weeks or every month, and help me tick along as well, because as I say, it, it costs money. I can, I can be done an awful, an awful lot of things over the years that would bring some cash in, but this was too important. This is important. This is not some kind of hobby here. Uh, I'm not getting financed by other sources, outside sources, even. Some people in the movement are getting paid by outside nations. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't take money from, from any, any of these groups uh, or countries that have different uh, agen- or, or agendas on the go. You know, it's not hard to figure out what's what really isn't. I'm a completely independent thinker. And even when I get, I try to question as best as I can. I've got time for everything. But I do question as much when I think the things that come along down the pike and think about them too. And that's the only thing you have against this is individualism. I've mentioned it so many times. Keep your individualism. Don't You've got to think for yourself. If you start shouting slogans, someone's using you. If you start believing in some some wonderful utopia down the road, collectivist-wise, you're getting used again. Because once you've got your collectivist system in, guess who's the first ones to get sterilized? But you might do it quite happily because it's for the greater good, isn't it? You, it's just too, you've lost your head, you've lost your mind, you've lost your future. The greatest crime you've got, among so many great crimes is to have your mind stolen from you before you get a chance to use it. So, as I say, hopefully you can help me out. It's going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see how you can help me out. You can buy books and discs or you can donate and uh, help me 
stick along here because believe you me, you have no idea the cons out there. Right? I mean a lot of cons, and I won't go into them. <laughs> but there, there's, there's things out there that uh, you have no idea what really is going on. I've always said you're giving your leaders. That isn't just a flippant remark. And what's coming down the pike is, is a horror show. It's a real horror show. It's, it's going to destroy. It's already destroyed so much of society. And people have lost their basic, even small businesses and shops and restaurants. and Just destroy. And now you've got the, the, what Pike said uh, they'd do. Um, and his, the ones he trained to, uh, to take over from himself in the revolutionary movement, the world revolutionary movement. He said, we'll unleash the, the, the nihilists and the atheists on the people. And that's what you're seeing. Nihilists and atheists. And what do you think anarchy is? They say rage. Even the media mentions rage. rage. Look at the definition of rage. Uncontrolled anger. Uncontrolled is a dangerous anger. It's homicidal. People who have pretty bad mental illnesses blame everybody, everybody, for their their whole life long, no matter how old they are, for their problems. Cults can create mental illness quite easily, quite easily. And then they give you these little, these kind of memes that are pushed out there, like on the knee for this and on the knee for that and all the rest of it. And, and it's admitting guilt for something. Utter nonsense. Absolute rubbish. Nobody in my family had any slaves. In fact, f- folk in our, our ancestry often would be the slaves that would go off as white slaves. Deported to different countries. They called them, where do you think redneck comes from? It used to be red shanks at one time with the, the small breeches that didn't have the socks coming down from the knee down. And they would get burned as they stooped over for the plantations. It didn't last too long. They couldn't take it. And then their their back of their their necks would get red too, redneck. Burned by the sun. They were slaves. Everybody looks for the blame game, you see. And then you're always given the target to hate. Always, always given the target to hate. And you, you and you'll believe it. I can remember it's just like the Bible says too, that they'd radicalize. Because they'd done it before, obviously. When you see that um, they, they talk about children being turned against the parents and parents against each other and the children, and, and so it's, all these techniques have been done thousands of years ago, even. I mean, I mean, it can be done. They knew how to do it, and it's always been understood quite easily. It's like Peter, too, Peter the monk, it was, he, he, was, he, was, uh, he, he radicalized the children for the first crusade, for the children's crusade. Thousands of them went off trying to get to the Middle East. They were caught and turned into slavery and made turn into prostitutes and so on, and, and a lot of them were slaughtered. And quite easy to get youngsters and radicalize them. All for the good of God, then, they thought. They would teach the Muslims, be nice to them, and make Christians of them. Of course, Peter himself didn't go and follow them. <laughs> he just radicalized them, pointed away. And then ducked out of the way. It's like it's like the Judas goat. It leads to the rest of the goats behind it to the slaughterhouse, and then it moves to the right or the left, and the rest of them go into the into the building and get killed. Techniques, techniques, techniques. Eh? 
So as I say, help me along, buy the books and discs, and donate to me at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. And now I'll get into some of the the articles that might bolster what I'm talking about, or, can, or, or maybe actually can help explain what they, what's behind them. Nothing out there is really, as I say, what it seems to be when you have big movements and a big world agenda. You don't hear the World Economic Forum poo-pooing this and say, this is terrible, they're allowing these radicals to, to, to smash and grab uh, their way through cities and threaten all the people to have them cowering in their homes and, and, and even trying to invade folks' homes and set them on fire. And so, who's, who at the top is speaking out to say, stop this? Because it can be done. <laughs> it's been allowed. It's, it's because the leaders and the managers, because Antifa's got managers, folks, well-trained managers. It doesn't matter about the followers. They do what they're told. And, and they won't even catch on a lot of them, that, that the ones that they're following they're, and their commandants are, are basically in, a, in on the big con. You know? But no, they, they could all be stopped very easily, very quickly. Absolutely. And it's not being. Why? Who benefits? What agenda benefits? And you're right into what... Antifa wants the same thing. Like I say they've got the Extinction Rebellion bunch, the, the vegan society, the cutting back on all farming of all kinds. And farming's bad, and it will bring back all forests across the planet, you see. And we'll all live in harmony and happiness. And we can all sit and watch the bears eat the meat. And feel sorry for them, right? Yeah, feel sorry for them. Anyway, this is the, the whole agenda here, and it, it's, it's because it's, uh, the elite want this to happen right now. And uh, I've said before, they're going about Soros and, and, and the money he's supplying to these NGOs. They're all doing it, folks. There, there are some foundations out there that literally fund dozens of other foundations. This is a massive organization. It's always been, well, it's been here for about 150 years, some of them. Suits and tie people, eh? Suits and ties. And limousines and chauffeur driven limousines, etc., running them all. These aren't people from the (laughs) bottom here, the working class people. But when you see people who are taught to have rage, to let it all loose on, because they're already told, see, you're not a person anymore, you're not an American or whatever. Uh, to, to these people who've been radicalized in their cults anymore. They, they, they've been so tampered with in a little bubble. They become ultra paranoid. They see you. They do see you, and they're told that you are the enemy. It doesn't matter what. If you're a little guy that washes the windows, you don't even have a window to wash anymore in the store, you know. You're an enemy. And they see you that way. And they'll react in a terrible, terrible fashion towards you. And this is a movement. So so even the ones you're seeing, once again, give them 10 years, 15, they'll be kind of mellow. You know. They've already got another bunch trained up to, to go further and further. That's how it's done. The uni- I've said for years, you've watched them create armies through the universities. Not just the, they've trained them from the age of five at junior school all the way through their education to be radicals, all on board with sustainability 
and save the forest and 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 let's all go back to to pre-industrial standards of living. Well, and pre-industrial it was a horrific experience for most folk. You didn't live that long. Most of the working class people. They want you to bring you back to that. I hope you're understanding all of this. This is real. What's going on here? And they're not—they're not going to stop. And no one's—no one's trying to stop them, are they? No one. Again, it comes down to the occasional sheriff here and there. There's one in that was it Polk County in Florida. Came out and and there's a clip there on the internet. And, and he said to them, he says, because they were warning, these groups were putting out uh, their little um, agendas. We're coming to your town next and we're going to burn you all down. And and, and, and the sheriff says, look, he says, um, I've got your message. He says, and here's ours. He says, he says everybody in this, this town is, is well armed. He says, we've all made sure of that. He says, if you come here to, to, to put holes through our homes and set them on fire, and try to get into our homes, it says, we'll, we'll blow you right back out again. We're armed to the teeth. So that's it. That's the only answer. Where folk literally have no backing from their own governments as to what to do here. And you see where it's going to go, obviously. This is managed, folks. It's all managed. All managed. And the, the way they've used the racial thing is, is always, eh? Astonishing. Look at the countries in Europe and Britain. They're sinking. If, if, if islands could, could sink, it would be sinking with the mass migration. Its population is way, way over what it's supposed to be capable of managing. Even Ireland's the same, the same boat. Same boat. It's got masses of, I think there's another 17,000 waiting to be brought into Ireland during all this. Yeah? And, and none of them are from countries that are at war with anybody. So they can't be called refugees. And the folks are sinking in debt to the World Bank and to the European Central Bank and IMF. This is all put on purpose, all of it. Sanity wouldn't allow it. Sanity would do something and stop mass migration when you're sinking in an economy that's gone. But you have to support everything. And then, then, then people are shouting at you for, for being racist. When, when it's beyond generosity, the amount of folk they've been bringing in for years now, who've done a lot more, done awfully well for themselves. But the race card is a great one to, to, to play every so often. It's much easier. I, I think it was, I was reading years ago, it was about, and, and it's a really what every religion had come to in an agreement in its teachings. It's, it's, the, the, the easiest emotion to express is hate. It's the easiest one. It's easy to live in hate and anger than, than to love anybody. Much easier. And that's why it's these techniques that are used upon people to get them to hate whatever it is the target's going to be. 
It's no different than your governments using the militaries, and they always make you hate the target. The gooks, you know, the ragheads for the arrows, they always have names for them to dehumanize them. It's always the same. And it doesn't dawn on the folk now that they'll get used by the same folk that run the military. <laughs> Who really own the military at the top, you know? They own the whole system. The infrastructure, the big agri-food businesses that really do own the, the, the farmland, they don't lose a darn thing. In fact, they'll take over any alarms you, any little farms you burn down. I mean, that's probably part of their agenda. Amalgamate them all. That's what you're living through. It's disgusting, but that's what's happening. Well, let's look at some of these little articles here to see what's going on, eh? And uh, we, we can scare ourselves, maybe. No, we won't scare ourselves. Another one, a New York woman's impassioned plea to rioters has gone viral after it was shared online with millions watching her tell rioters, you're here profiting off of our pain. That won't bother them. I see, you know, it's, it's astonishing, though. It's just, it's just Desiree Barnes was capturing the video speaking out to protesters who'd been vandalizing her neighborhood in New York's East Village. These weren't black people rioting, folks. And as protests against killing of George Floyd turned into violent clashes across the city, it's all organized clashes. And look at all the bricks that came in. Eh? I mean, all, uh, uh, someone was telling me just today that, or yesterday, that a pallet of, of bricks turned up, up in his town in uh, Carolina, South Carolina. And the, the, the people complained because they knew a, a protest was arranged and it was obviously meant to be picked up by rioters and used. And so the, the police did get the, the, the pallet moved. And it wasn't far from the police station, but, but the next morning it was, it was back there again. Who's in on all of this? Uh, there's obviously a bigger organization, again, authorizing this at the top, allowing it to happen. The cameras apparently never picked them, come on, eh? If you dropped a, a, peep, a piece of paper in the street, you'd be done for, for littering. But they just can't see who drops up off, like, tons of bricks. That's not a little car. That's not a bicyclist. <laughs> so anyway, Desiree Barnes... Um, she says that she says uh, she was she was she once worked for uh, Michelle Obama as a press aide in the White House, castigated the group for the damage they were causing. These are something ing people who live in public housing, and you just made a something ing Malie Barnes said. Mm-hmm. So she took down bus routes. Uh, there are people who live in this neighborhood who have to go back uptown to work, and you are here profiting off of our ing pain. It's amazing how folk use that, that, that ing thing all the time, isn't it? How they've sexualized all the language. All came from Hollywood, too. It's a part of an agenda, you know that? Anyway, you want to F-ing <laughs> do something. Make sure you're registered to vote. Don't start another goddamn fire. It says this black woman went off on people trashing her New York City neighborhood. And um, she also pleaded with the group to be ing respons- responsible and have a ing plan. <laughs> <laughs> adding that they should all register to vote and, and, frus- and get bent in the frustrations of the, the ballot box. The folk don't believe in, in voting. I think that's also in the manifesto for the Antifa group. It's revolution. They, they want a communistic system. 
which is the same thing as the ones who, who, who rule the world want, the big CEOs at the top, they want a socialistic system that disobeys us like China. That's what they want. Can you figure that out? Can you see that? The, the, the ones who rule your countries could have you off to war tomorrow if they wanted to. They, could, they can get things mobilized so fast. Millions of troops, the whole thing, the whole military gone, if they want to. And you think they're just letting this all happen because they can't decide what to do. you really believe that? And that's one in a way of doing it. And see, you, you see the characters on the video. And she's, she's given it all, she's given the, the ding, ding uh, lecture to. And the World Economic Forum builds Davos. 2021, next year, right? As the Great Reset, there you go. That's the reset you see for the cash system. That was failing anyway since 2007 and We never recovered. We're still paying off the, the board money from that, supposedly. So it announced on Wednesday that its next summit in Davis would go ahead and build it as the Great Reset to remodel the global economy following the COVID-19 pandemic. The January 2021 annual gathering of world leaders and business chiefs will take place as planned in the Swiss ski resort <laughs> with a focus on fixing long-standing problems exposed by the new coronavirus. And while, while bigwigs gather in the snowy Alps in a new movie, and, and a new movie, it's all a movie, isn't it? Life is a movie now, isn't it? It's so managed and, and produced. So in the snowy up in a new move, the, the 51st WEF summit will also link virtually to 400 cities around the world for input from a, a younger generation. Oh, it's, it's so beautiful, isn't it? You can see where it's all going. The reason I said that was because I remember, I think it was one of the last big globalist meetings that they had, the big ones that were that they had, they had um, the protesters, where, where the left wing at that time was protesting globalism. Uh, and then the, the corporations going off to third world countries to, to make bigger gains and cheap, uh, cheap labor costs and so on. With, with the world, uh, with the free trade systems and so on, the GATT treaty. And uh, and one of them, I actually showed you a clip of it, uh, where maybe it's the CBC or some some TV station, say a group, showed you. Uh, them all outside chanting and, and, and screaming at the, at the meeting. Uh, I can't remember if that was the one in British Columbia or the one in Toronto or one in the States, but because I had them all over the place and one after the other, every, every, every maybe two a year sometimes. And one of the, the people on, uh, the, in, the, in the, the, the big meeting, who also was up at the WEF as well, uh, said, you know, he said, who are all these people down there? Oh, they're protesting the globalization efforts, etc. And this is this system of, of globalization and centralized global government and so on. And uh, he says, I'll go down and talk. He went down and he talked to them. And he asked them what they were screaming and yelling about. And some of them were all, they're, they're, they're getting chants. When you're given a chant, like a slogan, as I say, you're getting used. So they're, they're chanting slogans that. And he says, well, tell me, why are you here? And he had some in front of me, and they couldn't, they couldn't articulate what, what was really on their mind, what was really bothering them about it all, except give them the occasional chant you know, of a slogan. They couldn't. So what he did, he, he invited some of them up. 
He said, we'll bring some of them up. And he says, well, we find out that who the leaders are from the different organizations. Bring them on board. They brought them on board, folks. They gave them salaries. And these are your paid opposition uh, for, for the so-called economic side of things uh, movement. And that's what, that was the end of the big movements against them. Now you get the same bunch rioting in the streets on behalf of them to bring the agenda in even further. <laughs> if you haven't figured that out. Yeah. Wait some. So anyway, getting back to this article. So they're going to have the 2021 annual gathering uh, in, in their ski resort. And it says, uh, WF said the political, economic, and social disruptions caused by the, the crisis, you know, the crisis, I'll go down history as the crisis, had exposed inadequacies of health, financial, and energy systems, leaving leaders at a crossroads. No mention of the fact that they disliked the public. Uh, about, uh, it, it gave them terror. They terrorized the public. This is the whole agenda, terrorize them until they can't think straight. And, and they gave up all their rights and state, and they destroyed the economy, eh? It's not over yet, folks. As I say, once all the rioting and stuff has calmed down to an extent, have you locked down again? Oh, my, it came back in the the fall. Oh, my goodness. Six feet apart. Wear a mask, you know. (laughs) So the COVID-19 crisis has shown that our our old systems are not fit anymore for the 21st century, said the WEF executive chairman Klaus Schwab. Has laid bare the fundamental lack of social cohesion he told a virtual event hosted from the WF headquarters in Geneva. Now is the historical moment, the time, not only to fight the virus, but to shape the system for the post-corona era. There's a statement right there, eh? A historical moment, eh? And time. They always use these little covert terms, you know. This is the time, this is the hour of the times and everything they used to. Bill Cooper used to use that, just to show you. Uh, he used it in, the, in his opening every night. The hour of the time he called it, because that was part. Of, that's what they used to open up a revolution. They always say the same little things. Eh? And it says, in short, we need a great reset. We must not miss this unique window of opportunity. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said it was a chance to build more equal, inclusive, and resilient economies and societies that could stand up to pandemics climate change and other global challenges. That's what the writers are on board for, to climate change. To, you know, we stop this climate change and, and carbon and all the rest of it too. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're all on board, including the rioters with the same agenda. That's just coincidence. So. And it's a great, it's a welcome recognition that, that, that this human tragedy must be a wake-up call not to be conned ever again. I, I, I did that last bit myself. Because if you haven't woken up by now to the chronology of it all, it's, uh, you never will. It's, it's imperative that we reimagine, again, that's that Bill Gates term, reimagining education. This is the big, these, these, these little, the, the buzzwords are all used amongst themselves for the in crowd. Rebuild, again, there's, there's your builders, as I said. Redesign, reinvigorate, and rebalance our world, he said. Eh? So it's unbalanced right now. The International Monetary Fund Chief. Uh, Kristalina Georgieva said that 170 countries would finish 2020 with a smaller economy than they started with. She's a genius, that's why she's put in that place. Right? With greater debt, oh, she's definitely a genius, 
at deficit and unemployment. My God, I wish I'd had her insight. I never thought of that myself. She said it was time to turn a page to have that history to be about the Great Reset, not about the Great Reversal. The best memorial we can, we can build for those who lost their lives to the pandemic is that greener, smarter, fairer world. Oh, the whole agenda. Eh? You, di- you all died under a con for a green economy. Eh? In a fairer world, because you're getting any rationing shortly, folks. Yep. Meanwhile, Prince Charles, the heir to the British throne, said rebuilding economic prosperity, prosperity had to be balanced against the natural world it depended upon. Yeah. Remember, he's, he's the offspring of his, of his daddy, who was a complete eugenicist, and he, he believed that there's too many of you. You know, it hasn't changed with Charlie Boy. Meanwhile, Prince Charles, the heir to the British throne, said rebuilding economic prosperity had to be balanced against the natural world it depended upon. Think about that, eh? The threats posed by this dreadful pandemic came upon us suddenly, said the Prince of Wales, who himself caught the new coronavirus. I don't think it would live on him very long. The threat of climate change has been more gradual, but it's devastating reality for many people and their livelihoods around the world, and has ever greater potential to disrupt, surpassing even that of COVID-19. Uh, oh, what a nonsense. Mm-mm-mm. We live in, in a whole, uh, under a, an array of chronologies. Con, 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 con. For the same agenda, though. It's always you. Too many of you. It's all your fault. You see? Climate change is your fault. Right? I, I, I don't know. I guess you can go back and charge the, 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 the little, the little um, amoebas millions of years ago. Because they, they had occasional, occasional uh, ice ages, you know. Then warming phases in between, all down through time on this planet. Before there's even humans here. So maybe we can go and, and, and even curse those little amoebas that became human beings one day. Because it had to be their fault that, that they had, they had you know, eruptions back then and, and hot periods where volcanoes even erupted and all that kind of stuff. All because of the precursors of man were there. Obviously, it was their fault. It's all our fault, isn't it? Ah, there you are. But of course, the whole idea of of uh, eugenics is too many of the people. They want to reduce the population, and you must blame the public for for the ills of the world, even though it's got nothing to do with them generally. And they've trained a whole generation that the world's coming to an end. Isn't that amazing? Again, train them for their purpose. When they hit eighteen or whatever, you've already trained them and brainwashed them up until then, and they'll believe it completely. And and they're radicalized, and and they're almost homicidal with all. They're ready, actually. If they're given the nod, they'll become homicidal. They're terrified that the world's going to end. They've really done it. They've created a mental illness intentionally. All done by the people at the WEF and the Club of Rome in order to depopulate and sterilize the planet. And you'll get a lot of folk volunteering for it shortly. You've had some in the past, youngsters volunteer, volunteer for sterilization. So it says, again, the slogan at the end is, is a move for, to rescue, the, to recovery. Think big and act now. There you go. I wonder what, how much they paid for that. Mind you, the taxpayer probably paid for, the, for that slogan to get made by some corporation, some PR company. Prince Charles announces a great reset. Yep, there you go. Another one. And then post-virus green reset urged for divided alien economies. 
just one article after another, in the face of protests, inequality and rising climate threats, a coronavirus recovery needs to spur a greener, smarter, fairer world. Strange how they're all saying the same stuff, eh? Ah, there you go. This is coincidence. Uh, embrace yourself for the Great Reset. Another one. Oh, wow. That's from Forbes from 2017, where they float the idea to get the idea across imprints in their brains, basically. <laughs> Getting us uh, prepared, in a sense, subconsciously for the coming times of what's been implemented. And so 2017, Forbes had an article called The Global Reset. So here you go three years later, and uh, they're all global reset once again. So all happened before, uh, the, the really, uh, all the chaos in the last few years. It was all designed to happen, be implemented. And so we're coming to a period, I, I call the Great Reset, well, come on, mate, you're the only one in many, I've <laughs> been told to say it, there you go. Government debt and blah, 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 and global debt, and others, the even larger bubble of government promises, so that's, that's, that part's true. These promises add up to hundreds of trillions of dollars. That's vastly larger than the global GDP. And the real problems we must face. It'll mean forging a new social contract. Where's the old social contract? I went out long ago. It will also require changes to taxes and the economy. Well, there you go. Into austerity, folks. Eh? <laughs> I tell you. Mm-mm-mm. This is what I mean by government promises or pensions and health care benefits, eh? They're talking about cutting back on everything, eh? Again, the health care, you name it, da 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 Death, death, death. For you, not for them. New York Police Department's terrorism official says unnamed groups plan protest violence in advance. I like specialists for that. They always make you realize how dumb you are, eh? Uh, that's why they get paid a lot of big money. you got an official, a terrorism official, who says it was planned, the violence is planned in advance. Mm. So the top terrorist official says there's evidence that members of anarchist groups from outside the city intentionally planned to incite violence at protests calling for justice and the deaths of George Floyd. I wish you stopped using that excuse because this was planned before before this happened. These days, an excuse. Poor guy. And by the way, another thing, this is part of it too. I don't look upon it as just an, uh, some bad person that killed somebody. This, this has been happening for years in different, regardless of the races. And society has, has been breaking down. Life is becoming cheap across the board. It's become more materialistic. There's no doubt about it. You've lived in a diet of slaughter and mayhem and fiction and movies and so on. Very graphic. And, uh, and that, that's been a, a regular diet until life becomes cheap. Uh, you bought your children. You euthanize the elderly. These are talks that we gave in the 90s. All come to life. It's all happening now. And then you're told to suddenly feel feel guilty about something or, or abhorred about something when, when, when one person gets killed. It doesn't really wash anymore. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. It doesn't wash. And also, too, since Gulf War One. They've been incredibly militarizing the police. Uh, this, the countless articles I read years ago when guys were coming back from the different wars, you know, and uh, and getting put into police forces. Well, 
they're, they're already trained in a completely different scenario of, of how you detain people or hold people or catch people or, or even <laughs> corral people or treat them. And it, it doesn't wash the same way. And that's where most of them are getting promised jobs. Now, even during the, the Obama administration, I should say, even, I mean, he, he, was, he was part of the establishment, see, guys. And uh, he kept the wars. Donald Rumsfeld from the Bush era, the PNAC group, got the wars going. And who drew up the list. Uh, he said he, he congratulated Obama for carrying on the same agendas across Syria and the Middle East that the, the previous uh, administration had done. He congratulated him for carrying And he even expanded them into more wars. This peace-loving left-winger. Huh? <laughs> you fall for that nonsense. Ah, folk never learn, eh? Never learn. And it all works. Uh, you know, all the ones at the top play their part in the game. They're not uh, against each other. Uh, politics is a wrestling match. Giant haystack stack versus the mountain man. That's what it is. Which side are you going to take? It's, it's just a con to keep you going along and voting all the time. And once you vote, remember, then they do awful things to you with laws and so on. And and you can't disagree because it's a legal contract. You, you voted them in, which gives them the right to do what they want to do with you. Voting gives you the right, understand it. And they never do what you expect them to do because they're the liars. That's what they do to get into politics, a lie. So it says the Deputy Commissioner for Intelligence and Counterterrorism, John Miller, said there's a high level of confidence within the NYPD that these unnamed groups had organized scouts, medics, and supplying routes of rocks, bottles, and accelerants uh, for, for fire and so, for breakaway groups uh, to commit vandalism and violence. There are strong indicators they plan for violence in advance using at times encrypted communications. They know all this stuff. This is, this is stuff for general consumption, really. And says one out of every seven arrests uh, of 686 so far since May 28th have been people from outside of state or out of the state. He said those arrested came from Massachusetts, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Iowa, Iowa, Nevada, Virginia, Maryland, Texas, and St. Paul, Minnesota. They know a lot more than that. They also know that a lot of them are descendants from old Bolsheviks. Uh, and that's a fact. That's a fact that their grandparents were Bolsheviks. And the parents do some of them. They know that. They're well aware of it, too. And they know who they all are. But they won't arrest them because it's part of the game. And this goes on about um, how they're all, they're all prepared to commit the, the property damage and so on. And they're directing people who are following them that this should be done selectively and only in wealthier areas or high-end stores run by corporate entities. But they went into the, to the black areas too and started burning their places down as well, like that woman said. And uh, to, to try to get them to agitate and, and, go and join them. You, you've got to get as many people as despondent as, as possible so, so they're ready to fight anybody and you tell them who you fight and they'll join you. So you make it miserable for them, that's the idea. Yeah. And they, they go in, in this article and some of the things they, they observed, which is standard stuff they train them with, uh, about how they, they use agitators and have complex net, networks of bicycle scouts to move ahead of demonstrators in different directions of where police were and where police were not used for purpose of being able to direct groups from a larger group to places where they could commit acts of... Anyway, they're showing you some of the techniques, or the, the standard stuff that's been on the go for many, many years.
And it's interesting to Mayor Bill de Blasio said Sunday morning that the members of the Anarchist Movement plan together online that they have explicit rules and we're going to make all this information available today. His daughter was out <laughs> joining some of them too, apparently. And he was ticked off that the police actually admitted some of her record, what she was up to. Uh, these are the folk who are going to guide you, eh, that you vote for. Um, and then the police officers take a knee in front of angry crowd of 2,000 Black Lives Matter protesters at the gates of number 10 in Britain, right, London, uh, yelling, F Boris, F Trump, as plastic bottles are thrown. An officer is punished and at least one demonstrator is arrested. And uh, so that's your Black Lives Matter group. You understand, if you're acting like hooligans, why would you want to be taken seriously and have respect by creating mayhem and chaos and and throwing things around and attacking people? That doesn't get respect. That's the opposite. I wonder if they really think about it. But of course, from the, the, the cult at the bottom, how they're trained at the very bottom, they, they literally think that, that by terrifying people, uh, they want to see people cowering uh, uh, so that they'll be afraid of them. They get, they get off on it, you know. There's nothing to do with getting respect. That's the only kind of way they, they see. That's how they see respect, for being terrified of them. So it's very basic, very primitive at the, at the bottom level. As, as said, at least 15,000 Black Lives Matter protesters, including actor John Boyega, and singer Liam Payne guard London, ignoring social distance and guidelines. Well, they're true. They, they ordered the viruses to stay on hold, you know. And they did. They went into hibernation there, just stasis, until it was all done. Uh, as a show of anger against the death of Mr. Floyd in the U.S. Now, why would that affect in Britain? Hmm? Why, why would that affect people in Britain? Where have been the, 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 the big movements across Britain when, when uh, some people there killed soldiers a few years back there and cut, cut one of their heads off. Remember that? No. There was a very sad but civilized response there. But this is different altogether. This is a complete uh, riot, overthrow, managed overthrow. Uh, uh, not of the, the, the system, the top and Boris. These guys will still be running it on behalf of, their, 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 of the overlords. It's the overthrow of the people down below at the bottom to make them feel despondent. It's, more, it's much psychological warfare against them than anything till they feel despond, despond, depressed and, and worthless. That's what it's about. That's part of their real reset. And uh, this article, this next article is John Whitehead's commentary. This is not a revolution, it's a blueprint for locking down the nation. Of course it is. But it gets down to having to use violence, then you're playing the system's game. The establishment will irritate you and pull your beard and flick your face to make you fight because once they've got you violent, then they know how to handle you. And that was John Lennon said that. So brace yourselves. There is something being concorded in the dens of power far beyond the public eye and it doesn't bode well for the future of this country. Anytime you have an entire nation so mesmerized by political theater and public spectacle that they're oblivious to all else, you'd better beware. Anytime you have a government that operates in the shadows, speaks in a language of force and rules by fiat, you'd better beware. 
And any time you have a government so far removed from its people as to ensure that they are never seen, heard, or heeded by those elected to represent them, you'd better beware. What's unfolding before us is not is not a revolution. The looting, the burning, the rioting, the violence, this is an anti-revolution. They're playing right into the government's hands because the powers that be want this. Now, he, he's seen the same thing, but this is the revolution. Remember I said before it all started a few weeks ago that what was happening with the COVID thing was the elite's next part of the revolution for them. So it's their revolution, you see. And these guys are playing right into, along with it. They're doing exactly what the elite already wanted to happen. Right? It says the Justice Department is deploying federal prison riot teams to various cities. More than half of the nation's governors are calling on the National Guard to quell civil unrest. Growing numbers of cities having just barely emerged from coronavirus lockdown are once again being locked down this time in response to the growing upheaval. This is how it begins. Is that dystopian 2030 Pentagon training video all over again? I'll put that up the night too, by the way. And the link is there for it as well, because the, the Pentagon training video talks about this. It's, like, it's almost like um, that movie, uh, Escape from New York, a dystopic future and so on. But they actually it showed that in the military and the Pentagon too, uh, of how they'll deal with these societies uh, as, they, as it all happens. And how they manage uprisings and even create them, in fact for certain purposes. But we've got the shorter version here, the, 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 the longer version is only part one of a whole series of them for the people in the Pentagon, the people who really get it in the Pentagon. And it says, and anticipates the need for the government to institute a martial law, use armed forces to solve domestic, political, and social problems in order to navigate a, a, a world bedeviled, bedeviled by uh, criminal networks substandard infrastructure, religious and ethnic tensions, impoverishment slums, open landfills, open, overburdened sewers, a growing mass of unemployed and an urban landscape in which the prosperous economic elite must be protected from the impoverishment of the have-nots. We're way ahead of schedule. The architects of the police state have us exactly where they want us, under the stamping boot, gasping for breath, desperate for freedom, grappling for some semblance of a future that does not resemble the totalitarian prison being erected around us. This way lies certain tyranny. For just one fleeting moment, we the people seemed united in our outrage over this latest killing of an unarmed man by a cop hyped up on his own authority and the power of his uniform. That unity didn't last. Indeed, it didn't take long. No surprise there for us to quickly become divided again, polarized by the misguided fury and senseless violence of mobs taking to the streets, reeking of madness and mayhem. And uh, But the fact it was all planned that way, any trigger would have set it off. They're planned to go, you see. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But yeah, this, this, is, this whole thing is the elite's revolution. This is a revolution, and uh, it's, this, it's their ongoing revolution, part who knows what, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, because uh, they, they planned for the, the whole COVID thing, a, a total resetting the economy, a total lockdown, a whole new restructuring of society and behavior, huh? completely reorganizing social behavior. And they want it permanently, too. This is the revolution, all right. 
and again, grabbing and plundering the economy for themselves. With every reset, uh, they, they win and everybody else loses. Look at the trillions that were thrown around the corporations and Wall Street. Trillions. Gifts. Poof. Every country did the same thing. <laughs> so so when your current rate gets back to any kind of normalcy, it's not normal at all. You, you get maybe one quarter of what it was worth before. It already crashed after the 2007-8 reset, as they called it. Mm-mm-mm. Another article here too, CIA-backed color revolutions. The dishonest career of the remarkable Serda Popovic. And goes on about that most folks have never heard the name uh, Serbia-born political operator named uh, Serda Popovic. Yet he and his organization called Canvas have played a lead role in most uh, every CIA-backed color revolution since he helped he led the toppling of Serbian President Slobovan Milosevic in 2000, at least 50 according to the last count. Now he has turned his sights on Hungary and Hungary's popular and defiant Prime Minister Viktor Orban. On September the 8th, the professional regime change specialist Serdar Popovic came to Budapest and joined with the anti-Orban opposition groups in front of the Hungarian parliament. It's clear that Popovic was not in town to promote his Hungarian book on non-violent regime change, but rather to give aid to the anti-Orban parties before Hungarian election in spring of 2018. Because of the manufactured aura of hip do-gooder, or, or doer of good deeds surrounding the personality of Serdar Popovic, it's useful to look closely at who sponsored his remarkable career since he founded a, a tiny Belgrade student opposition NGO called Odpori in 1998 with its show. It's now famous clenched fist logo. I think it's one of them. There was one there and there's one in Hung- Hungary as well. Where they were, they were leading these, these rad- again, all dressed in black, these guys. They'll be trained in these schools over there. And who were coming over to all the globalist meetings. They were the ones who caused the riots, the globalist meetings, anti-globalist meetings. And uh, you'd see them well-clad, uh, wearing combat boots, and throwing, again, Molotov cocktails at, at, at cop cars and things. Uh, these were peaceful demonstrations for the people, but these characters were getting sent in to do this. This is the career of Sirda Popovic from 2000 till today suggests a remarkably dishonest manipulator in the service of foreign intelligence agencies and governments, despite his vehement claims otherwise. Then goes through some of his history here. The organization Otpur, which means resistance in Serbian, and so on. And how he gets student groups organized. It meant, too, he'd have to dish out big cash, meaning he was well-sponsored, eh? well-paid for it. And allowed to do it, you understand, which tells you anything that's allowed to do it is generally run by the CIA. The CIA are the masters of overthrowing governments across the whole planet, and including inside America, (laughs) the U.S. Hmm? And if these characters... If they really thought, the ones you're seeing writing, really, and the Antifa, if they really think, the followers anyway, really think that they're making the big, big difference for some wonderful tomorrow, and that the CIA, they think the CIA's just missed them or something, hasn't noticed them, did they really think that? 
No, because the leaders, I'm sure, are paid by them. I don't even mean that. The CIA has nothing to do with what you think it is. Nobody makes a move without the CIA's permission at the top. They work with the World Bank. They work with all the organizations. This article says the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, USAID, widely known as the CIA front, has channeled the Serb uh, uh, Odpur millions of dollars in funds through commercial contractors and through the U.S. government-financed NGOs, the National Endowment for Democracy, the National Democratic Institute, and the International Republican Institute. The Open Society Institute of George Soros was also funneling money into Popovic's Odpur for the topping of, of my Losovic. Well, I've said before, do you really think that George Soros can do what he's doing across the world. He's even articles in the paper saying, oh, the, the, the head of China must be removed, and the head of this must be removed. And who is this guy? No one likes this guy. But he's saying things with impunity and getting lots of press about it, and he's got the financing to try and overthrow governments across. Do you really think that he wouldn't be dealt with by some independent intelligence agency? How come he's not been dealt with by some independent intelligence agency? Because as I've said before, you'll find that at the very top, all the superpowers are one big intelligence agency, CIA, MI6, Mossad, etc. And some of the Russians and Japanese and so on. One big intelligence agency, folks. And that's why George Soros gets away with it, because he's, he's, he works like an asset of them, like many others do. Most of them in intelligence agents are assets. And they wouldn't dare rock the boat, believe you me, or be allowed to. So this article here goes into um, into the different um, organizations. As I say, they get the money to, the, to their sources, to the NGOs, and to the, well, to the radicals and so on. And to create the color revolutions of democracy-building foundations. And that's what they call democracy. Says the Ned, with all its affiliates, was a project of Ronald Reagan, CIA head Bill Casey, in the early 1980s to conceal CIA regime change operations around the world behind the front of a private democracy NGO. The, the Ned, NAD, Alan Weinstein, co founder of the Ned, admitted to the Washington Post a lot of what we do today was done covertly 25 years ago by the CIA. Still is, Alan Weinstein, eh? According to Michael Dobbs, who was foreign investigative reporter for the Washington Post during the Malasovic ouster, the IRA, uh, the IRI paid for Popovic and some two dozen other Optor leaders. That's Otpor, uh, odd name, Otpor, it's called Otpor leaders, to attend a training seminar on nonviolent resistance to the Hilton Hotel in Budapest in October 1999 where Popovic and the other hand-picked Serbian students received training in such matters as how to organize a strike, how to communicate with symbols such as the clenched fist that became their logo. They learned how to overcome fear and how to undermine the authority of a dictatorial regime. You can use it against any regime. And, and this article continues with the different characters involved in this one particular scenario in Serbia and so on. And Gene Sharp has involvement in the, in the founder of the controversial Albert Einstein Institution, teaching techniques to the U.S. government to conceal its coup d'etats under the guise 
of nonviolence. All these wonderful names and things you never realize are all part of it, too. And it says the Clausewitz of the nonviolence movement, a reference to the renowned Prussian military strategist. Popovic and his Otpor NGO were recipients of a major share of over $41 million U.S. government money for their democracy-building campaign in Serbia. It's, it's very lucrative to the leaders who are picked. Their followers never realize their leaders are, are, so, are getting so well-funded and well-paid for overthrowing governments and so on. Because the, the followers never ever figure out much of anything, really. They really don't. They're in the dark. They're given another different reality. But this shows you the techniques that are used. There's a good article by William Engdahl, I think it is. And it gives you the globalization of revolutions. It says, after success in getting rid of Milosevic for his U.S. government sponsors, Popovic created a new organization called Canvas. He decided to globalize his business model that worked so well in Belgrade in 2000 to make himself an international go-to person for making U.S. State Department's fake democracy regime change. Canvas, or the Center for Applied Nonviolent Action and Strategies, calls itself a non-profit, non-governmental education institutional institution focused on the use of non-violent conflict, according to Wikipedia. Canvas seeks to educate pro-democracy activists around the world and what it regards as universal principles for success and non-violent struggle. Popovic and Canvas claim that at least 50% of their obviously substantial funding for this, this, this work comes from Popovic's Otpor ally Slobodan Dinovic, co-chair of Canvas and listed as CEO of something called Orion Telecom in Belgrade. You understand this massive money. You have millions and millions of dollars into all these things. Do you think all this stuff is happening for the leaders of this this across the whole U.S. Um, riot that's going on at the moment? Well-managed riot. Never mind its affiliations in London and elsewhere across the world. Do, do you realize the millions of dollars it's costing to make all this happen? And if these leaders didn't get their paychecks, they'd just go home? The followers just, well, they do what they're taught. They never figure it out. The beauty of covert intelligence is that the followers must never really, really know what the object really is. It's never what they think it is. That's how the world is really run. Right? But everything now has got to be a display on television. Everything is televised. The revolution is televised. Right? It's got to be a big display on everything uh, to, to, to make a, an impression that you remember sticks in your head. Next article is Remember the fake 2009 H1N1 swine flu pandemic Manipulating the data to justify a worldwide public health emergency And uh, as Global Research puts this one up too But the same kind of thing that happened then And how the media went into high gear uh, Without a share of evidence about what what it was about Fake news, fake statistics That was then, 2009 and um, it says, oh, swine flu could strike up to 40% of Americans over the next two years, and as many as several hundred thousands could die if a vaccine campaign and other measures aren't successful, says the official statement of Obama administration, Associated Press, 24 July 2009. Same tech- techniques over and over and over, eh? 
I says, but the pandemic never happened. There was no pandemic affecting 2 billion people, and millions of doses of swine flu vaccine had been ordered by national governments from Big Pharma. Millions of vaccine doses were subsequently destroyed, a financial bonanza for Big Pharma as expenditure crisis for national governments. Quite something. There was no investigation into who was behind this multi-billion dollar fraud. And this is the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe. The PACE, it's called, the Human Rights Watchdog, is publicly investigating the WHO's motives in declaring a pandemic. Indeed, the chairman of its influential health committee, epidemiologist Wolfgang Wodarg, has declared that the false pandemic is one of the greatest medicine scandals of the century. That was in the Forbes magazine, February the 10th, 2010. And they repeat it again with this one. Right? Only it's actually worse than they shut down the whole society of the planet. It's never been done in warfare before. And the healthy were all quarantined. Eh? Oh, they never stopped trying. Never do it. With the riots in the States too, it says the kettling of peace protesters after curfew shows aggressive shift by the New York police. That's a technique they used years ago in London too, remember? They kettle them. They, they just, they, you don't realize if you're in a big crowd, you can't see very far in front or behind or left or right of you. Uh, how you can actually get very carefully moved by, by certain movements by police. It's almost like the, the it's like Roman the centurions uh, and um, how they use the different techniques with with their shields to, to gradually nudge the enemy in one direction or the other. It's the same kind of technique, actually. And uh, they go into this article on about uh, hundreds of demonstrators stood there for 10 minutes, chanting arms raised until their leaders decided to turn the group around and leave the area. But they hadn't seen that the riot police had flooded the plaza behind them, engaging in a, in a law enforcement tactic called kettling, which involves encircling protesters so they could have no way to exit from a park, city block, or other public space, and then charging them and making arrests. Exactly about that too, how it's done, etc. And it's a great experiment. Again, every time they do this kind of stuff, every few years, they have a big experiment and see how... Uh, more studies on, on the crowds that, that follow them and the age groups and very, very intricate uh, experiments actually breaking down how the 14-year-olds react, the 15-year-olds react, the 16 year Literally, it's quite amazing that the data they collect, like you wouldn't believe, um, and it all goes to MIT and, and big uh, psychological organizations that, and, and universities to study. Another one's called the Alliance for Global Justice, AFGJI, or maybe they say J, I don't know. But the Alliance for Global Justice, something styled uh, AFGJI, organization group that serves as a fiscal sponsor to numerous left-wing initiatives, among them Refuse Fascism, United Students Against Sweatshops, and Stop Mass Incarceration. What do you mean? They just locked down the whole planet here for COVID. That's incarceration. They didn't protest that, did they? 
It says the group arose from the Nicaragua network, an organization that supported the communist-aligned Sandinista regime in Nicaragua. The group describes itself as anti-capitalist, opposed to the principles of liberal democracy and individual rights, and favoring a multipolar world order with powerful rivals to American international primacy. It's about the same, actually, as the Antifa movement. Um, they have the same kind of, again, more into multipolar world order, as they call it. And, and um, they don't want individualism, individual individual rights. They want, like, you're all equal, <laughs> equal slaves, I suppose. <laughs> so it provides fiscal sponsorship to groups advocating numerous foreign and domestic far-left, extreme-left causes, including eliminating the state of Israel, supporting convicted violent left extremists, and advancing various labor union efforts. Fiscal sponsorship is a legal practice by which a parent 501c3 organization can handle tax-deductible contributions but have a project in alignment with its mission. So I guess all have ta- our tax write-offs, I suppose. Give you some of the history on it too, what, they're, what they've done in the past. And uh, nothing is ever what you think it is. You, you, you know. And some of these organizations, as I say, just like the foundations, uh, are literally dispensing the cash, you know. It, tremendous networks of cash dispensing. <laughs> America masterminded color revolutions around the world. Now the very same techniques are being used at home. It's a different article here. And uh, this one here is, um, is going to say that this is by a Serbian-American journalist, blogger, and translator who wrote a regular column for Antiwork.com from 2000 to 2015, and is now a senior writer RT. So it says, pro-European protesters note white supremacist symbols and shields clash with Ukrainian riot police in Kiev, January 19, 2014. How Americans view the events of the past week greatly depends on their political persuasions, media preferences, I guess what channels that they watch, and to a large extent even ethnic identity. This is hardly the first death of an African-American man at the hands of police, nor the first time a peaceful protest turned violent and resulted in a city on fire. It was planned before it started. Once It, it wouldn't matter who got killed or whatever. Once someone got killed, they, they knew exactly what to do, folks. It wasn't just pallets of bricks that immediately organized to get in there. They, they, they had uh, multiple cocktails stashed uh, in gardens and behind houses on the way in to some of these, these so-called uh, protests. As, however, the first Black Lives Matter protest that was spread all over and quickly gained an openly political partisan dimension. That ought to be baffling. The four officers involved in George Floyd's death were fired almost immediately uh, rather than suspended with pay. One of them was charged with murder just days later. Conservatives and liberals alike agreed that Floyd was murdered and that the men responsible should face justice. Yet the riots started and spread anyway. These are telling points. eh? The brief moment of unity and outrage could have resulted in healing the racial fault lines in the U.S. Instead, the already polarized political climate became divided more sharply than ever, with Republicans criticizing President Donald Trump for not cracking down on the riots fast and hard enough. Well, Democrats denounced him for responding at all, claiming that there was no riots really and that Trump was just declaring war on the American people. This was a made-for-television moment, wasn't it ever? CNN's Don Lemon said after tear gas was fired at protesters as President Trump addressed the nation from the Rose Garden, open your eyes, America, open your eyes, we are teetering on a dictatorship. This is chaos, and they give the link to it. 
and the Daily Beast, I think, also did the same thing. Could the clues to why this happened lie beyond Americans' borders? In December 2010, a Tunisian street vendor set himself on fire and died after tax police confiscated his unlicensed stall. Within days, there were demonstrations. Within a month, a country's president of 23 years was overthrown and exiled. Similar rebellions broke out in Libya, Egypt, and Syria. It was dubbed the Arab Spring. In November 2013, thousands of demonstrators gathered on Independence Square in uh, Maiden, uh, this is in Kiev, <laughs> Ukraine, protesting the government's decision to reject a trade deal with European Union attempts by policing to clear them out resulting in clashes with armed protesters and eventually a firefight, where snipers allegedly loyal to the government opened fire on the crowd. Finally, in January 2014, violent protesters stormed the government offices and declared themselves in charge. And the 2014 Euromaidan, as called fully endorsed by the U.S., was a far more violent iteration of the Orange Revolution, from 10 years earlier when sympathizers of an opposition coalition refused to accept the results of an election and forced the government to hold another one. This is U.S. campaign behind the turmoil in Kiev proclaimed a Guardian headline from November 26, 2004, the operation engineering democracy through the ballot box and civil disobedience is now so slick that the methods have matured into a template for winning other people's elections. That article beneath it uh, said, adding it was the first used in Europe in Belgrade in 2000. It shows you the techniques and how there's nothing ever is, is what it seems to is portrayed to be by the public, especially at the time when it happens. And they go on about the, the recent one in Bolivia, which was successful recently. The Venezuela, which is, wasn't successful. And Hong Kong, where pro-democracy protests against all extradition. An extradition bill lasted long after it was withdrawn. And then in, uh, the Hong Kong protests were embraced by the progressive firebrands, such as Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her squad, calling for something similar at home against Trump. Interesting enough too, isn't it? Marginalized communities have no choice but to riot, Ocasio-Cortez said on the radio program July 2019, adding that she meant uh, communities of poverty in the U.S. as well as around the the world. That was long before COVID-19 killed more than 100,000 Americans and lockdowns imposed to to stop it cost 40 million Americans their jobs long before George Floyd. So it's, it shows you how it's all really, it's just building up, building up, and planned and planned and planned. And you get geared towards it, and you wait for the spark, and away it goes, you see. And it's all organized in advance. That's how things really are. And again, the tremendous social upheavals were planned in advance as well. What do you want? How do you make it happen? And guide it to its conclusion, and there you go. The article, article says Antifa arrests are coming, concerns over riots heading to suburbia, government source says. As I've said before, the, the actual Antifa groups and so on are, are sending uh, messages to different towns. They're coming, they're coming for them. We're coming for you. Eh? 
It says agitators behind the rioting that's been paralyzed the country over the past week want to move into more suburban areas, a government intelligence source has told Fox News. Much of the worry stems from the notion that many in well-armed suburban and rural uh, neighborhoods won't hesitate to exercise their Second Amendment rights and elevated anxieties could lead to heavy confrontation. And if it knows this, said the source, who spoke on the condition of anonymity, local and state authorities have got to get a grip on this because if it moves to the suburbs, more people will die. And they will. The, the folk in rural areas aren't going to stand for folk and burn them out of their homes. And why should they? Why should they? This is, this is the message, you see. And Antifa knows this too. They're waiting. They're saying, My goodness, uh, Trump has done nothing yet so far, as far as they can see. And uh, as I say, the police are kind of standing down to an extent because they get no backup at all, no backing from, from their bosses. If your bosses won't back you, they won't work. If the military uh, or even the National Guard aren't going to get the backing of the leadership at the top, that they, they, won't, they won't push anybody around, even to save themselves. What now? That's, that's human nature. You, 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 if you've got organizations which work for the system and for you, you have to give them the backing. And, and you do it by the, the leaders telling them, we're, and we're backing you 100%. Then they can do their job if it gets really, really bad. And this article was on to different places that had uh, test bed locations, including Madison, Wisconsin, which was ransacked Saturday night along with quiet pockets of Charleston, South Carolina. And it goes on to how riot groups come together to loot and destroy. As I say, there's nothing really that they don't know about these organizations. You know, even, even you know, uh, I can remember an RCMP guy came out and put a book out on his life uh, inside uh, Hell's Angel Group out west in Canada. And uh, he, he got ticked off with his bosses who he kept telling them when, when these big drug pickups were going to happen. And his bosses, he, he couldn't fathom out why. He wouldn't let them go ahead and, and pounce on them and grab them all at the same time with, with the drugs. And that. He, he got, he, this happened a few times. And so he wrote the book, and, it, and then he was reprimanded for writing the book. And I don't know what happened to him after that. He hadn't figured out that it's meant to happen. It's all meant that they spent the hell's angels or the, the distributors for the drugs. Drugs are a big income for black budgets, for covert operations, and for Canada's versions of the, of the CIA too. You've got CSIS in Canada and other, other organizations too that are quieter, but very heavily involved in, in things in the world. But the, the, the cop didn't know. You know that's how things really are. But that's how their, their operations too with these Antifa groups, etc. The leaders know what they're about. They, they, they don't even have to know the whole picture either, but they know enough to know that they're not there for the reasons they're told or their followers are told. And um, this is to break society, which is going to be in, into this sustainable world. Oh, we have to have a new world system of governmental system along socialist principles, almost, almost verging on communism, eh? which will create more efficiency for food distribution and, and funding of money and, 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 and basic goods and basic necessities, etc., to the people. So this is on behalf of them, those guys at the WEF, 
the World Economic Forum. That's what it's about, folks. The rioters are just doing their bit. They don't know it themselves. Except for their bosses, who get well paid to do it all. And this article was on about looters running wild in the Bronx, as a video shows NYPD officer being beaten, and Fordham is on fire, it says. That's quite something, isn't it? The, the, the times in which we live, but uh, again, previous generations went through similar things. But everything now is televised, isn't it? It's all. It's going to be a good production for TV, and that's how it's done. I'll put Antiva's handbook up as well, a primer on violent liberalism. And this article was on with Keith Ellison, Deputy Director of the Democratic National Committee and Congressman from Minnesota, recently ignited a Twitter firestorm when he tweeted out a picture of Antifa, the anti-fascist handbook, a book he declared that would strike fear in the heart of Donald Trump. Upon reading Antifa, it's easy to see why the tweet generates so much controversy. Since its release late August, the handbook by Dartmouth lecturer Mark Bray, who's got his own story, by the way, <laughs> uh, who himself really is this kind of communist, you might say, has garnered attention as one of the few windows available into the mind of the newly prominent Antifa movement. Bray makes clear from the beginning that the book isn't an attempt at a neutral rehashing of facts, but rather is an unabashed uh, partisan call to arms for the purpose of equipping activists with the history and theory necessary to defeat their insurgent far right. He anticipates clearly the revolutionary ideology of the far left and defends using violence in its service, from street brawls to kidnappings to assassinations. For those who do not desire to see the world reborn in the flames of global anti-capitalist revolution, the popularity of the anti-fascist handbook should prove alarming. It is quite fascinating, isn't it? We, I, I think about the, about the whole thing about the U.S. And um, they go on and on about, oh, they, they can't use the troops, etc. Well, what are you supposed to do if, if, you're, if the commander-in-chief doesn't even put the National Guard out to, to even save themselves. Uh, and they're hoping in a wing of prayer that the police are going to be able to, to manage it, even though the police aren't getting the psychological authoritative backing of the leaders. They'll be hung out to dry. They all know that. Every cop knows they'll be hung out to dry in the present climate. Uh, if, they, if they were to go ahead and even stop a murder happening, and a riot, and a rioter gets killed in the process. They know what's going to happen, so they won't do their job. Obviously, but what gets me is again that the left will say, "Well, you can't." Let the, it's true; you're not supposed to use the troops inside America, and even though they brought them in, that's true from abroad. When New Orleans got flooded that time, when the, when the booms bust and so on. They brought some of them in then, but uh, it, it reminded me of, of Pierre Trudeau, uh, Justin Trudeau's daddy. Now, now, Pierre Trudeau, at one time in the 1950s, 1952, was the head of the Young Communist League for Canada. And he took the delega- delegation over to Russia, the Comintern. Um, he was the head of the, de- the delegation at that time. But um, when Pierre was put in, and don't forget the whole idea of communism was to get in 
under any and every possible way you can. You, you, if you, if you, you're a liberal, you're you're a capitalist, you're a communist, whatever it took to get in, just say you're you join the party, whatever party it was, get in, then do what you have to do. That's what they said. They even even discussed this with uh, his pal at one time on a CBC program. His pal did more talking than he did. That was Renan Levesque. And he said, well, yeah, we were young then, you know, when they were communists and Marxists. And uh, we, we did what we have to do. And when Pierre Trudeau was in, now under the guise of liberal, you see, there was a, a, a group of communists who kidnapped a dignitary in Canada. And they wanted to kidnap them and, and ransom them or, or even or get safe passage to Cuba or something. And uh, <laughs> it was amazing because everybody knew what Pierre Trudeau had been and, and was, obviously. You know, it wasn't something you changed like a, a, a different kind of clothing where his sympathies lay and what he did in, in the past. And I, maybe they thought they could support these guys. But uh, Pierre Trudeau worked for the real group at the top, see, the, the real globalists. <laughs> He turned on the troops on, on Montreal loose. And at the time, they said, oh, he said, before, when he said it, the media interviewed him and said, you, know, you don't really mean it, surely you, no one would do that. He said, so really? He said, just watch me. And he did. So it took a communist to put the troops in the streets uh, in order to, to, to quell uh, an amateur communist uprising, a small one inside Canada at the time. They had no idea that he was a bigger shot than they were in that same league. And that's what it is. Remember what Quigley said, we're often mistaken uh, for communists. And that, that came out too during the Rees Commission um, with Norman Dodd. And uh, Quigley said, our, our agenda is so similar. And it is, the chosen, the, the socialistic technique was far better than having individualism and people having individual rights and so on and and, and opinions which are allowed to, to not just say but act upon and so on. And uh, communism and socialism is far better where folks are more collectivist society. And they would decide how much goods and, and fuel or whatever happens you're going to get and stuff you're deciding for yourself. Uh, that's, what, that's why it's the way it is, folks. That's why the World Economic Forum is on board with this whole socialist agenda and, and everything to be run by experts and, and bureaucrats, etc. That's exactly what it is. But uh, I'll put this article up on their handbook and so on. And uh, as it says, uh, the ideology of their, of their war te- techniques and so on, and the use of violence which they push raised many arguments against free speech and in favor of violence. This is what, you know, it sounded so terrifyingly rational, at least in the context of his stated goals. The overthrow of capitalism more, most likely can't be accomplished by working within the current state system. So there's no need to be concerned with the, the, the tenets of that system. Free speech, for example, plays a vital role in the preservation of our social harmony. Because of free speech, we, we, we talk instead of fighting when we have differences of opinion. When people think a law or regulation should be changed, they'll start gunning down law enforcement officials or setting government agencies on fire. Rather, they lobby Congress or campaign for representatives who will enact the changes they desire. This system is far from the perfect 
and it allows many injustices to be perpetuated, but it's much more attractive than an alternative in which violence is allowed to settle disputes and enact political change. However, for the revolutionary left, the total elimination of injustices, not just their minimization, is the goal. Rather than viewing free speech as a way to keep things from becoming worse, Bray flat out rejects the First Amendment as a tool that can be used by oppressors. In his words, at the heart of the anti-fascist outlook is a rejection of the classical liberal phrase, I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Instead, Bray opens the book with a quote from a leftist revolutionary killed in the Spanish Civil War. Fascism is not to be debated, it is to be destroyed. And fascism to them is anybody with any other opinion, really. <laughs> it's just that... It can never end. The sl- once the slaughter starts, you see, that's how communism almost does. They, they bring in uh, lists of names. They've got everybody listed. You, you've all been listed by them. Probably given the, 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 the list by the top capitalists that run all. And, uh, and then they go after their targets and eliminate them. They don't believe in rehabilitating you, even though sometimes they'll say that to their, to their more the junior followers who are quite unsure of total violence. And they'll say to them, oh, they've got to go to re-education camps. But what they really mean is extermination camps. That's what they, that's what they really mean by it. Stalin said it. Stalin even killed uh, and eliminated most of the prisoners of war of Russia that, that had been caught by Germany. And uh, the, the idea in communism, you would not allow any what they called contaminated person back into Russia. Who, who once experienced to the Western ideals and maybe even luxuries, they might be contaminated and bring it in with them. They weren't, they weren't going to have that, so they killed them all. That's what you do. And it's called contamination, you see. Don't forget that. I, don't, I hope you're realizing what I'm saying. This, this, uh, this has been said before in history. And, and I think Sauls and Easton said the same thing. It happened in Russia. You had the same thing with the interview by um, uh, uh, John Pilger on Lenny Riefenstahl, uh, where he talked, how did it happen in Germany? And she said, the people really were almost like they were kind of hypnotized, just going through life as, as normal and like it wasn't real or something. And, and before they knew it, they had a whole new system. But I think it's even more obvious with, with uh, in, in the way that Alexandra Solzhenitsyn said that in the beginning, it's the same thing, it says, everybody said to themselves, it, it couldn't happen here. And not now. You always think you're living in the, in the now, the pinnacle of the now, not in the past, you see. That's how you think. And you somehow think, we're, we're, we're more evolved now. We've somehow become different and better and more humane. Uh, I don't know where this fallacy came from because we're going the opposite way, in fact. But it, but uh, he said that um, that's what they all thought at the time. But when a revolution was creeping up on them, and the rhetoric was out there, and they had the Bolsheviks you know, really agitating, agitating, and stirring it, and uh, and trying to get a following to do the rioting, etc. For them, but they, 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 it'll never happen. It could never happen here. Well, it can happen. Yeah, you're watching a similar thing happen right now. You're literally a hair's breadth away from them smashing windows and looting and and killing folk. That that's 
it doesn't take much once it starts and, and blood's up and the, the adrenaline's going and they're, they're in hysterical excitement almost, you see. Uh, it doesn't take much. So never say to yourself, oh yeah, it's just a little, it might not. Be, it might be this one, it might be the next one, but they're, they're going to get it. And they will do it. And they're given authority from the very top to do it, obviously, or it would never have happened. It would never have happened. Mm-mm-mm. You know, the, the, every country has its form of secret police. <laughs> and they, they've got more tabs on everybody you ever, ever imagine. And in peacetime, even in 20, 30 years of peacetime, they're just as active as ever, studying everybody, watching everybody, and on top of everything. And they know who's when you start, what, when, and where, why. And there's nothing they don't know, folks. So when it happens, and they stand back, this allowed to happen. By those at the top. So as I say, this um, this article goes on to, to the fact that the, the the author of the book actually Bray makes it clear that from an anti-fascist point of view, such a far-fetched scenario would mean it's already too late. Meaning, uh, if if you allowed someone like a Hitler to give rousing speeches, if you allowed that to even start, it's too late. You see, so instead, uh, potential Nazi movements must be stifled in their infancy. This allowance leads to an ever-increasing number of people who need to be destroyed. Personally, I, I see, I, if you think that it's just one Nazi, 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 the people who took over in the communist system were, were pretty well the same type, different people, and not in the Nazi movement. But again, you're looking at a specialized elite people. And yeah, you all know what I mean. It's a fact, it's history. And that's how it's done. That's how it's done. There are no good guys at the top, you know. It says, for brave politicians like President Trump and media figures like Ann Coulter and Bill O'Reilly and intellectuals like Charles Murray all deserve to be nipped in the bud speech-wise due to their opinions. And by the time he's finished, Bray has thrown everything and the kitchen sink into the category of fascist ideologies that must be targeted, ranging from whiteness. So if you're white, you understand, if you're targeting people racially, what do you expect to happen except a race war? Because folk will have to eventually defend themselves when they're being targeted for annihilation. Huh? Hasn't that happened before with other peoples in history who are targeted for complete annihilation? Does that ring a bell? Ding, ding, ding here? Huh? <laughs> but, but again, it depends who's doing it, doesn't it? Including someone who even thinks that they were on the receiving end at one time. That's exactly what Peter Hitchens mentioned too, uh, that he was trained uh, to be <laughs> a revolutionary in a university. And uh, Oxford, I think he was. And uh, he... He said, the time he came out, he was ready to, to, for blood. I mean, that's how he was trained with him and many like him. And he said that uh, one of the first things he learned was how to stop people from having a point of view and to squelch any freedom of speech, of opposition, you see. That's standard stuff. They don't believe in, in points of view. No, no, it's there. We are, and it's total murder eventually, literally. You know, how else are they going to stop it? Why do you think it's always the same scenario as they slaughter people under the, the, the guise of socialism, communism? Hmm? 
that's that's what they do. <laughs> that's how it's done. Until you end up in like a place like China, a country like China, where everybody pretty well, in public at least, always voices the same opinions on every topic. All the authorised opinions, that's what you've got. And uh, it took years before Peter Hitchens realised that, that he'd been brainwashed. That article 2, armed citizens defend town and says rioters and looters keep out. A tale of two cities, Spokane, Washington, recently suffered riots and looting, and the neighboring uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which has averted thus far the same kind of planned havoc. Retired military and law enforcement personnel who regularly, regularly monitor the websites and activities of militant leftists told the New American that Coeur d'Alene, 30 miles east of Spokane, has been targeted by the same Antifa Black Lives Matter agitators that have left Spokane and other American cities in flames and smoldering ruins. Do you realize how this looks like to the rest of the world? It's like a failed state, doesn't it? That's how it seems if you, you look at the media. We saw that uh, they were planning to strike Cordelin Sunday and we sent out an alert to hundreds of our era contacts and it says uh, the defenders will call uh, the Cordelin defenders we will call uh, Thad told the new American besides their website activity we saw several of their people scouting Cordelin with particular focus on Winko, a large supermarket near uh, 190 Interstate or the I-9 Interstate sure enough Monday several van loads of Antifa BLM agitators, 30 or 40 of them, unloaded at the, the Winko parking lot and took up positions. We were ready for them and soon had 100 to 150 armed defenders there, in addition to a group of biker patriots and their Harleys who showed up. They were not going to burn our city, they said. And she says that, that, that one of the, the defenders there uh, said that it, became, it remained peaceful between the two groups because the Antifa BLM crowd was outnumbered and outgunned, even though our side was non-threatening and expressing our beliefs that protesting is fine, as long as it doesn't get violent or destructive. They clearly were intimidated by our presence and our message that we mean business, she told the New American. A subgroup of the agitators broke off from the Winkle gathering and met up with a band of cohorts several miles away in the downtown Cordelin Business District on Sherman Avenue, a popular centre of cafes, pubs and shops. Again, they were vastly outnumbered and outgunned by local citizens who came out in force to assure that their town didn't join the list of cities destroyed by the revolution. Cordelin, a beautiful resort town for a little over 50,000, is the county seat and largest city in the Idaho panhandle, it says. And that's what they want, of course, is to, to go in and, and pillage, destroy, and burn and loot. And, uh, and of course, anybody who can't, can't fight back is done for, right? That's as simple as that. You give up and just walk away. Your government's not going to help you. And, and that's what they know. They want this to continue and get, and get even tougher if they can. And then you get folk literally groveling and bending knees and so on as though they're guilty for all the, the sins of the world, which, of course, is the, the Stockholm Syndrome. That's what you see. Folk collapse mentally and apologize for the, for the whole history of the planet for things they've never done in order to survive, which they hope they'll survive. Another article, too, is... We keep missing Julian Assange's news, but uh, he's been too ill, apparently, to even at- attend some of the the meetings they've had. 
uh, uh, supposedly a rape. All we get is second or third-hand news, isn't it, on him? Because uh, and wh- where's the protesters for his cause? Eh? Do you realize when it's so selective, it's so selective, and the whole anti-war movement suddenly was all quiet when it came to attacking uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and then Syria, completely just non-existent, eh? Uh, because they're, they're turned on and off by by the ones who control them all. This is so obvious, so obvious from from big marches in the streets, anti-war during the Cold War, uh, and so on, and and then the massive protests against globalism, and then switched off when the actual wars start, completely switched off, and then switched back on again for under the excuse it's an excuse albeit it's bad enough what happened with, with, with uh, one man getting killed like that. but it's well, completely ready for a complete communist revolution <laughs> on cue right, at, right when everybody's getting loosened up from the COVID lockdown on cue and, and everybody's back stuck in their homes again trying to evade this, this uh, burning down and looting and all the rest of it huh Come on, wake up, folks. And, yeah, nobody's out there protesting for Assange. None of these characters will. A guy who literally said an end to the spying on the public by all the agencies on the net. No, strange enough, you think that'd be up their street, but nope, not, not a peep. Amazing, eh? And even though they've got the LGBT crew, a lot of them with them, you see the rainbow uh, insignia on a lot of the rioters in the fronts, in the front groups and so on, and uh, but what about uh, what about um, Chelsea Manning? Where's all the protest? Where was the LGBT Q groups when Chelsea Manning was going through hell in the prison? Who was standing up for this for this person who stood up against the system at the time and even disclosed to the world what horrible atrocities were happening on behalf of the American forces at the time over in Iraq and other countries. Uh, and because uh, he was punished, no, there, there are riot for other things, but but no, forget that. Uh, some people who literally uh, showed what was happening with war and all the rest of it, but they complain about the the, 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 the capitalist system, <laughs> fascistic system supposedly, and uh, people who are, who are exposing what, the real stuff that was going on on behalf of big corporations that grab the loot and oil and all the rest of it uh, get punished, like incredibly punished just for showing the people what was happening. And there's not a... Not, no, none of these people are standing up for them. They're very selective, aren't they? And it's always on board with the global agenda. Sustainability and austerity and environmentalism and, 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 and zero carbon and yada yada. And you're right into poverty and austerity at the end of it. That's what it's about. That's what it's about, folks. Nothing's ever what it seems when it's televised. But again, where was the whole anti-war movement then? It wasn't to be seen. There was no big protest in the streets, nothing like that. Same with Assange, etc. It's very selective, and it isn't until you realise that it's all managed again. It's all managed by the people at the very, very top. The World Economic Forum, out of this chaos that's happening right now, will get their whole agenda of sustainability, uh, rationing, uh, post-consumer society, uh, using a socialist-type system run by bureaucrats and so-called experts and technocrats from top to bottom, 
no democracy. They, that's what they want. Don't forget that George Soros talks. He talked again at the last one at the World Economic Forum. If that this man was a, a rogue agent of some kind, he would be dealt with by all of them. That doesn't happen. He's part of it. And so are all the rest of them at the very top. The richest folk in the world are running the left wing, believe you me. And out of it, they'll get their whole sustainability depopulation program put in place. And let's not excuse violence. Barack Obama forgets his entire presidency and argues that riots should lead to voting Democrat, he says. Amazing, too, that he comes right off the woodwork again, eh? And also with the deep state, and he's one of the front men, or at least one of them, the lower down front men for it. Because at the top, it's a much higher, higher organization. The ones that you hear about that face the public are really still worker bees. The ones that are above them are quiet and you don't even know a lot of their names. In fact, they really run the whole show. But again, he was put in charge of, of one part of the deep state to foment, uh, you know, a, a complete breakdown of anybody who tries to, to, to break the agenda. And don't forget, again, Obama, the, the Democrat, was, was, was praised by all the, the, the PNAC group of supposed neocons for carrying on the same wars to which they started. Hmm. Don't forget, when things don't add up, there's a different game going on, isn't there? Eh? Of course there is. Eh? And this article says that, that the former president protests across the country have been overwhelmingly peaceful and express a genuine and legitimate frustration over a decades-long failure to reform uh, police practices and the broader criminal justice system. When he was, and I can remember the articles I read, where he was recruiting the, the army guys into the, straight into the police forces. Eh? And uh, don't forget, too, and I hope you remember this, the, the billions of rounds, ammunition rounds, all calibers, military-grade calibers, rounds and hollow points he was bringing into the country, to all the different government departments. What was that on? And, and also getting all the ex-military gear, uh, 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 not just military, you know, well, there was flat jackets, a whole lot, and uh, armor, uh, armor-plated vehicles and so on from the military that were supposedly used, and, and dished them all across America. Everybody's saying, what's coming down the pike here, you know? What's going on here? Bush started it, and it continued. Like the way you had someone Clinton was in, but when Bush was in, it was coming in big time. And they even had uh, tanks, you know, armored vehicles, getting getting given to certain uh, police stations and so on across the country. So what's going on here? What are they expecting? What are they expecting? Who, who, what side are they going to give it to to use? That's, that's what I'm wondering. This article says too, but <laughs> see, Obama isn't what you think he is either. Never was. None of them are, eh? As they play this game of left and right. This is the problem with Obama's message that it's partisan. Isn't it? It's partisan, but it's brazenly ignores reality, such as the fact that he was a president for eight years with full control of those levers of power. Yet somehow the greatest achievements of the Obama era, Obamacare, um, DCA or pushes for transgender rights. The title, One uh, X Nine Campus Rape Culture Rules, to name a few, ended up having nothing to do with racial justice. Surely it was the Obama administration that passed the First Step Act to give relief to feral inmates, the majority of whom were African American, from harsh mandatory sentences imposed from the Clinton era. Oh wait, no, it was the racist Donald Trump. <laughs> 
Well, it was definitely Trump who presided over the killings of Trayvon Martin, uh, Michael Brown, Freddie Gray, Tammy Rice, uh, Lacan McDonald, Eric Garner, and fueled racial anger that set Ferguson, Baltimore, Cleveland, Chicago, New York on fire in the aftermath. Um, no, wrong again. How can Obama Clinton decree that the solution to all of this is to vote and vote blue? Be reconciled with the fact that many of the police forces engaging in brutality, starting with Minneapolis, are in places with Democratic mayors, governors, and city councils. It goes on and on and on. But um, they go on too about the, the running the guns to the Mexican cartels when Obama was in. That was true as well. Like turning Libya, the most prosperous country in Africa, into a warlord-run hellhole where black people are sold as slaves. Like droning citizens without trial. And that's true. Obama used to pick them himself. That was in always the papers. He used to go in the mornings and pick who wanted to destroy that day. And spying on journalists and political campaigns. Nothing's ever what it seems to be, really. Mm-mm-mm. Another one, too, is Black Lives Matter, Dublin, Irish cultural colonization, and left hypocrisy. Our poor Ireland, it's, 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 it's such a tragic country, it really is. And it says Dublin streets could have been mistaken for inner city Los Angeles yesterday as it played host to its very own Black Lives Matter protest. Numbering the best part of 3,000 strong, the protest came as the city is tentatively recovering from the coronavirus epidemic. Technically, such a gathering is banned under public health guidelines, and not forgetting that Dublin's inner city is one of the country's viral hotspots. The protest was in response to the ongoing conflagration emerging from the death of an African-American in Minneapolis last week, with the usual grievance issues of direct provision latched on for good measure. As expected, it received neutral to positive coverage from an Irish media fixated on cultivating its very own racial grievance industry. And it's true, <laughs> racial grievance, uh, akin to what exists in America. As highlighted ad nauseum, Irish journalism is merely an extension of the left-wing activism on display. Ireland really is a sad, sad case because they fought for so long to get their rights and so on. And out of it, uh, it was already sown early on, long ago, e- even with the official IRA, uh, the, the original ones, uh, with the seeds of communism, even then, when the tenets of communism. And uh, once they got the freedoms and that, it festered and festered and gradually worked its way right to the very top. And uh, yet you had the celebration of abortion not long ago. And, and uh, the, a country that one time was hated, hated, by the far left, because it had some religious values, which also give it the primacy to human values, you know, human life, the, the importance of human life, all gone. Eh? And then, then it was sunk by uh, the bankers with the last big crash, and in came the, the IMF and the central banks to to, to start put up their terms there. Uh, it was flooded too with, with a lot of Europeans, um, with it with the European uh, mass movement, the free movement idea too. A lot of crooks set up there too for a while. But then in came masses and masses of, of people, refugees, who, who lived there from countries that have nothing to do with wars or anything. 
flooded with them. And people inside Ireland making a killing off of it because there's big money dished out to get homes for them and, and settle them. And some characters even just bought up over almost like streets in some areas to house them all. And, and they're guaranteed money from the government. So it's, it's like everything's a business. P- people are a business themselves, you know. And here they are apologizing for stuff they've never done. It's just astonishing. Uh, so sad, so sad. The Irish literally, they, they had a, an inferiority complex. For, at least they always make jokes about themselves uh, because it was a, an inferiority complex for such a long time that because they were dominated so terribly by, by England, England for a while, or London really, and, uh, and kept down as a people really. All the all the days from even Jonathan Swift, who, who who said they should eat their own children when it came to famines. I mean, just horrible, horrible past, and and they were despised, and again despised again because they were a Catholic nation at one time, you know. And they've had, they haven't had a chance to be themselves really. There's <laughs> one thing after another until literally now they're they're getting phased out. They'll be. Bred out of existence shortly. They know that too. That's part of the obvious agenda of those who really rule everything, I suppose. Sad. Tragic. Tragic, tragic. Remember that there's many ways. Genocide doesn't have to be straight killing. There's many ways to get rid of you. And bombarding and filling your country with other people's uh, as part of it, the UN mentioned that one of its organisations years ago that they could uh, that that was that was part of uh, even banning your speech at one point or your own language was was part of genocide. Destroy your culture, destroy you, and you just and you're destroyed. That's how it happens. Sad, sad. And I, the problem is with Ireland too. It's much like Scotland. You got people who are literally ready to fight each other over parties. Same sort of thing. You get your eyes above it all and see what's really running it all. Mm-mm-mm. It says in this article, to some championing trendy left liberal causes about racial dogfights in America grants people immunity to the virus. Could they go out there too, eh? <laughs> and suddenly get brave. And it's okay that the, the virus is, is, is put on hold in stasis until the, the writing is over or the dentistry. So the fact that public health has been imperiled to feed left-wing egos is beyond anything this publication could even conjure up. The fact this was done for the sake of a foreign policing issue, it's true, it's nothing to do with Ireland, is quite literally the same for people who just last week were castigating Gemma O'Doherty and John Waters for doing much less. is hypocrisy on another level. Per usual, Ireland's well-oiled and well-financed NGO diversity lobby, and it's well-funded, it's so true, and, and their own people selling them out, by the way, was on full display, pontificating on matters as they flouted public health advice. As if to typify what they felt towards Ireland and the Irish taxpayer who fund these activist groups, they flouted any modicum of self-awareness as they ran roughshod over public safety concerns. Virtuous signaling about racial politics in America was more important than basic public health concerns in Ireland, right? The people who wanted batten charges against relatively minuscule anti-lockdown protesters at the High Court stormed the streets of Dublin without a second thought. And the hypocrisy is only matched by the fact that this was done for the sake of an issue largely irrelevant to Ireland. Oh, sad indeed, eh? 
Yep. It's sad indeed. Oh yeah, Fauci. Little Fauci. Foxy Fauci. He says, let's reopen the schools in the fall. He's, he's, here he is. So I guess he's missing the limelight. I don't know if he's still in it or not. But, um, and you know he's going to try to spike it. Remember, he wanted to lock down until they get a vaccine. Your, your own immune system, even if you had antibodies, meaning you'd conquered it, it wouldn't make any dirt. They still wanted you to get their, their particular brand, you know, the expensive brand that comes in a, in a little needle. They always want, the, the authorities always want to stick it to you, eh? whatever it is. Taxis, needles, you name it. They want you, you're just owned like farm animals. And um, this other article is quite funny in a way too. And how the the, the tragedy of the farce of it. Uh, there's a, a young woman in Germany. I think she's 19, maybe. Naomi Sibt. She she was being threatened with prison for denialism. Denialism. Everybody's, you know, so fed up with with all this. This it's all your fault for the climate. It's all your fault for the climate, and so on. Right? And uh, and the indoctrin- the intense doctrination to the children until they literally they grow up and they're petrified. They think the planet's dying, as I say. That's what radicalizes them. It's all intentional. You always breed the generation of rioters that you want. If you're the leaders, you see, that's what they've done. And it says the response to her appeal for Naomi Sibt has been splendid, but more of us need to help her because the state media authority in North Rhine was failure in the hope of interfering with Naomi's right to post YouTube videos critical of the party line on climate have menaced her not only with two enormous fines and two sets of costs, but also with prison. That's what it's come to now, eh? Naomi really uh, needs the help. And so they're asking for donations to help her. And it says, uh, the defense lawyer already scored one success. The authority was compelled to abandon its campaign to force her to take down the first of the three videos it has complained of because she made it long before she had met anyone from the Heartland Institute, which the authority dislikes because they regard her single mention of it in one of the videos complained of as constituting a product placement contrary to the anti-free speech law of North Rhine-Westphalia. Astonishing how they try to shut you up, eh? Isn't it amazing? But anyway... She's 19 years old, says, and she's like, after all, can't be expected to have known that, that free speech had been shut down in her part of Germany by an obscure and in, 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 in specific law. It says here, in specific law, the authorities is trying to make her pay a fine of 1,000 euros plus another 200 euros costs for each of the two videos costs 2,400 euros. If she doesn't pay, then the, the, the threat to put her in prison, right? What she said too, I want to thank, she says, uh, I want you to think. Welcome to the Heartland Institute. She says, Hello everyone, my name is Naomi Sept and I'm a new member of the Heartland Institute and I've got very good news for you. The world is not ending because of climate change. In fact, 12 years from now we'll still be around casually taking photos on our iPhone 18s, tweeting about the current president on Twitter and ranting about the latest celebrity gossip. However, we're currently being force-fed a very dystopian agenda of climate alarmism that tells us that we humans are destroying the planet and that the young people especially have no future and that the animals are dying, that we are ruining nature. 
I truly believe that many members of Antifa, Fridays for Future Groups, Rebellion Extinction, I really believe that many of them have good intentions, but they're genuinely scared of the world ending and scared that their parents and grandparents are ruining the planet. That is breaking relationships, is breaking up families, and we at the Heartland Institute, we want to spread truth about this science by climate realism, which is essentially the opposite of climate alarmism. And she goes on about it too. And she said, I don't want you to panic, I want you to think, you know. But yeah, that, that's what they're doing now. That's what it's come to, because it's a big agenda. You've got to believe you're all guilty, because you've got to start de- reducing the population. Your masters tell you that. Your owners tell you they want a big, big cull, you know. And they'll do it, to, if you don't do it voluntarily, they're going to do it one way or another. And they really mean it. You understand? You're dealing with, with real psychopaths here. And if they want to bring you into starvation, it's not pleasant if you see millions of folk dying of starvation, not pleasant at all. They will do it. I hope you understand what we're talking about here. And they have trained a generation to hate anybody older than 15 or 20. <laughs> Absolutely. The old communist technique. Don't trust anybody over 30. Then they reduce it to 20. <laughs> I tell you. Mm-hmm. Another article, Global Capitalism, World Government, and the Coronavirus. I'll put that in there, too. And the war trade against China, of course, that was part of it as well. Yep. Financial crash spearheaded by fear and stock market manipulation, stage two. Stage three, lockdown, confinement, closing down of global economy. And then who controls the politicians? You better ask that. They're all all in it. I don't care what what side you think they're on. And then you get the fear campaign prevails, social distancing is enforced, the economy is closed down, totalitarian measures are being imposed. According to Dr. Pascal Sacre, in some countries patients can leave hospital by agreeing to wear an electronic bracelet, I call it a manacle, because it's what it is, you see. And this is only a sample of all the totalitarian measures planned or even already decided by governments in favor of the coronavirus crisis. It goes much further. It's limitless and it affects a good part of the world, if not the whole world. So I'll put this article up as well for those who want to see it. It really is stunning. What amazing times you were living through. And most folk, I suppose, will be in confusion all the time through fear. Fear causes confusion. You can't think rationally. Uh, when you're terrified, yeah, that's the first part of. That's why you cause terrorism. Uh, it's a great control mechanism. You can guide folk who, who follow blindly and obey blindly because they're terrified. Uh, they can't trust their own instincts, judgments, or anything else. You see, it's a great tool, fantastic tool. So I'll put all these links up. I'm not finished just yet, mind you. For those who can still put up with it a bit longer. It'd be so interesting to watch what's happening, because this is history you're living through. A well-planned, organized, massive, uh, maybe three-point three or three-pronged assault, starting with the COVID and the shutdown of the economy, uh, the total reorganization, all structural organization of society and how you behave with each other. And and the readying for starvation. You you when you see this this plan, folks, it's planned. If it, they've cut down all the meat plants and all the rest of it, it's planned. You know, you see, and then you have the same problems. They start cutting back on what's left, all the all the harvest stuff, and they'll start exporting to other countries. Oh, they're they're in worse condition than we are, and you'll end up being in the same condition as they are. 
It's all planned that way if you let them get their way. And if, they, and if they can't get it right off the bat, they'll close you down again. Oh, they're spiked again. The, the virus is back, round two. And uh, there you go. You know. And governors back massive protests after months of banning large gatherings. No kidding, eh? The same governors, eh? They would have you put in prison, eh, for, for breaking the rules, are out there protesting. Never mind the six-foot space and all that nonsense, you know. No, no problem there at all. There's a hypocrisy of, of people and in, in who, you, who you vote for. Eh? <laughs> liars and actors, aren't they? So Democratic governors said they support large-scale protests, a reversal from mandating social distancing and lockdowns since March. Remember, small groups, no more than four or five or ten at the most. All this have massive riots. It's okay. <laughs> so I stand behind the protests and their message, says New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said Monday. He noted earlier in the day, though, that protests could exacerbate COVID-19 spread. No kidding. He's covering all bases, eh? We spent all this time closed down, locked down, mass social distance, and then you turn on the TV and you see these mass gatherings that could potentially be infecting hundreds of hundreds of people after everything we've done, he said in his press briefing. Of course, they won't say anything about arresting everybody for causing potential deaths of other folk if it's all true, right? And spreading it. Oh, no, they won't do that, will they, eh? Imaging Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer was quite a character for, for she, I don't think she believes in democracy either. Also encouraged peaceful demonstrations Monday. She lifted Michigan's stay-at-home order Monday, 11 days ahead of schedule, and told Michiganers to stay smart, stay safe, and let's all do our part. You know, She didn't say we're all in it together, but generally the collectivists say that. And so did folk in wartime. You know, just, oh, you're, we're all in it together. And uh, so she announced on Monday that, you know, this is like a decree, like a royal decree. She announced Monday that restaurants will be able to reopen at limited capacity next week. Gangs of fewer than 100 people are now permitted. <laughs> I hear they have riots in the street with maybe thousands. <laughs> but for ordinary folk, you, you know, fewer than 100 people are now permitted, meaning massive protests are still illegal under the state's gradual reopening. Oh, what a joke that is, eh? I, tell you, I heard though some of the restaurants are going to open up and serve just, just soup, you know, very thin soup. And a special masks with straws, holes for straws to go through them. So you can always sit there and slurp away and, and see how it goes. I tried you know, eating soup with a mask on and it just went all down my chin. It was just awful. So don't try it. Now, um,. The protests broke out Washington, D.C. over the weekend as well. Mayor Muriel Bowser implemented a citywide curfew Monday starting at 7 p.m., just two days after announcing the restaurants can start reopening for outdoor service, again, at limited capacity. You understand that this is a farcical thing, the six-feet distancing. I went through the story last week of how it started with, with a girl at school who was wanting to get into computer programming and, and modeling. Who, and, and they did this thing for school, and, and she came up with the idea, oh, how many folk we meet, meet in a day, how many children meet in a day, hundreds of people, and blah, blah, and they're the spreaders, yada, yada, and six feet up. It all came through computer modeling and a complete made-up idea. It wasn't based on any reality, folks. Hmm? Oh, quite some. 
take some talcum powder with you, right? Stand outside. Even you think it's pretty calm. And sprinkle of some, just throw it in the air in front of you and watch which way it goes and how far it goes. It doesn't abide by any stupid law, like like six feet. Huh? Oh, dear, dear, dear. What a, it really is all magic, isn't it? Eh? This one was quite something. I'm sure you all saw this one. It shows you the radicalization of fools, dangerous people really now. And no one, nothing will happen to this one. This is a professor, a young female. Tweets how to topple racist monuments like Washington Monument, then backtracks on it, it says here. Sunday, a Twitter verified professor and self-described Egyptologist, no kidding, Egyptologist, posted a thread of tweets insinuating writers could topple the obelisk monuments and described instructions for that. His PSA for anyone who might be interested in how to pull down an obelisk safely from an Egyptologist who never, ever in a million years thought this advice might come in handy, tweeted Sarah Parkak or Parsak, I don't know how to pronounce it, might be masquerading as a racist monument, I don't know. PSA for anyone who might be interested in how to pull it down. And uh, it says, it says um, she says how to do it, basically. Hmm. She's the key to pulling one down is letting gravity work for you. She says, for you, naturally. Uh, chances are good the obelisk extends in the ground a bit, so you want to get chains, not ropes. And uh, it's uh, tightly around the top, below po- uh, the pointy, pointy bit. I guess she's very practical. And one third down, a forming circle, she tweeted, for every 10 foot of monument, you'll need 40 plus people. So, say, a 20 foot tall monument, probably 60 people. You want strong rope attached to the chain, rope easier to hold on versus chain. Everyone needs to be wearing gloves for safety. And um, for every 10 feet of monument, you need 40 people, etc. And then she repeats it and repeats it. But um, she's watched that some, some bitch, I guess it means some bitch, toppled, get the out of the way and it will smash, it will smash, so run away from direction. This is someone who was going to cause deaths galore, <laughs> never mind the massive destruction to property. As uh, a professor, and you wonder why your universities are churning out radicals. But how do you think she was churned out? Huh? What churned her out? And she even included a stick figure schematic of her instructions. She adds a caveat that this is, of course, this is all entirely hypothetical. You know. Also, please do not pull down Washington Monument. Also, please do not pull it down. She says, Mm-mm-mm. meaning that's to cover her, her behind. And she said, there might be one just like this in downtown Birmingham. What a coincidence, can someone please show this, this thread to the folks there? So she wants to bring down all the, the monuments of, of uh, what she called the old America, you know, the nasty America. The America that allowed her to get up there with her hobby of being an Egyptologist. Mm-hmm. Quite something. And also an article here is how free trade is still... Killing America. It's um, to the Trilateral Commission is about to create international economic order in 1973. As back then, when it was in the process of creating the the, the system, that this part of the system, so-called free trade blossomed as nations dropped their external tariffs that allowed multi-directional trade. You know. This was uh, this, uh, it's got um, a video on it. I hope it works anyway. And it was uh, 
and it was an interview by Charlie Rose with Sir James Goldsmith, and and I remember Goldsmith's talk they gave to the Senate as well, and he he, he everything that's happening today with the, with the economy and everything. He warned. He warned them all. But he says Britain's the same. All your jobs go. Um, your labour force is left with no work. And manufacturing with no manufacturing. Everyone's going out offshore, and cheap labour is giving all the jobs in other countries. Yada yada yada. And how you go down the hill, down the hill. He, he was quite. Oh, it was a great talk he gave to the Senate. But they they went for it regardless for free trade for the, for the Americas for the NAFTA deal. They were, you know, and. Um, he warned what would happen. He, he knew about GATT and NAFTA and the whole thing, and and he died, unfortunately. He tried to get Britain out, the, out of the, the EU before anybody else did, or before Farage came along, and he died uh, of a, a cancer, the prostate. Very fast-acting cancer, too, it was. He died quickly, within a matter of a week or two, I think it was. Diagnosis. But uh, great talker, by the way. He knew his stuff. And then another article, too, that says um, the Irish asylum system enters meltdown because of the massive migration into Ireland. It's still going on. They're through all this, and there's no work or anything. Because you, and, and they're broke. They're, they're financially broke. But that's the agenda, you know. That's the agenda. You're not supposed to exist very much longer. And, I've, and little old Ireland. Sad. Good article, though. It talks about the asylum, asylum seekers still waiting to come in. There's thousands of them, and someone's directing them towards Ireland. And uh, because the UN's involved, and and there's folk who want to get rich off of it all inside Ireland, naturally, uh, with the government handouts as they manage it all. Mm-mm-mm. Sad indeed. It's a sad story. Uh, it's the same in Scotland. That there's a, I always had a sense of sadness in the country. We went into the Highlands. You know, the Highlands were where a lot of the clearances happened right across the entire country, east to west coast and to the north. That uh, the, the troops went through just exterminating people, and then the rest of them were put in prison ships and shipped abroad and so on. Uh, young guys c- could join the, the new militaries, the Scottish regiments, to fight for for England, and they were that's what they did. You know. Mm-mm. But, oh yeah, it's tragic, tragic. You, you feel it's, it's, it's there in the air, you know, in the, in the area. And this article too, it's, it's quite interesting. It says, kneeling for George Floyd is grotesque Western infantility. It's, it's against an outside point of view. And uh, it's from an Israeli paper. But you again look from all points of view. You can get stuck, and you're, again, your little bubble where you are. And you, you got to see how things look from outside <laughs> at times too. But it says uh, kneeling as kneeling as a central right in West R I T E in Western culture. Kneeling for George Floyd is expression of a grotesque Western infantility. It says, there I said it, although I know that those who do not kneel are considered amoral monsters these days. Everyone kneels, the prime ministers, the journalists, the parliamentarians, the police, when Londoners protested the Minneapolis incident. Police guarding the Downing Street gates were told to get down on their knees. Four policemen did it. Thousands of people in Britain went out on the streets, falling on their knees as if hallucinating. 
It is acceding to the claim that Western society as a whole is racist. It is a form of ideological hysteria that makes those who kneel belong to the right side. In several videos, we have even seen American whites kissing the shoes of their black compatriots to apologize. Are you white? Feel guilty? You also killed George Floyd. Being white has become a kind of original sin. If you do not do penance for being white, paying homage to mass immigration and multiculturalism, you'll become a white supremacist. The Archbishop of Canterbury called on white Christians to repent of her own prejudices, Time magazine says. Whites have inherited their white supremacy. Inherited. American universities are full of courses on white privilege, and in French there are conferences which forbid whites to, to enter, basically. In Paris you're not uh, trendy enough if you don't write about a blanc sheet, uh, at each massacre where the murderer is white, the global collective ritual of penance begins. It says, Utoya, white man. At Christchurch, white man. Blacks that kill blacks, not on the news. Muslims who kill Jews and Christians, not on the news. Christians who kill Muslims. First pages. The white trade of black slaves everywhere. The Arabic-Islamic Arab trafficking of black slaves, taboo. The whole past is projected onto the current generation, colonialism, crusades, birth of America, Nazism, uh, slavery, everything that ends up in the same historical kneeler, everything is traced back to your white genes. There is no aperitif. Even that does not end with a great new truth echoing white man is evil by definition. Giulio Miotti, an Italian journalist with uh, Il Foglio writes a twice-weekly column for Arutz Shiva. So that's how he sees it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's quite a way of, of putting it, really. It's expression of grotesque Western infantility. They apologize for everything. And don't forget that this is an agenda which would end up, if you allowed it to go into extermination. I really mean that. You understand, you can't apologize enough to insanity when you've got nothing to do with it. You can only be responsible for what you do yourself. And that goes for every people, every person in every ethnic group. When you see a targeted group, we've heard this before in history, not long ago, targeted for what, extinction? You just can't apologize enough and you're allowing it to happen. Your own tax money is, is teaching it in courses at university. No, this is hate, folks. This is organized, institutionalized hate against a group. It's been fomented by a very old party, a communist party, to, to bring the same old thing back again. It obviously is. It really is. This has nothing to do with one person or, or even a, a group of people being, being, being discriminated against at times. Uh, through, through government forces, that this is this is beyond that, way beyond that, and it's taught. When you see people being taught to hate you, it doesn't bode good. It's going to build up into something grotesque and horrible. Obvious, obviously, and no amount of apologising is going to make it any any more lenient. It's not going to do it. This is incredible times we're living in. Incredible. 
support. Look at what happened with, with the groups that had planned that the, <laughs> if there was a pandemic, you know, Johns Hopkins and so uh, university. If there was a pandemic, this is what they do along with the Bill and Gates Foundation. And uh, and they said that during their, their training exercises that they'd already had they'd already had the, the, the things to go for to save the Chinese getting blamed for it. So it wasn't there's was no racism involved. And they had ads where they'd have people coming out and say, "Oh, I was I was discriminated against Chinese people saying that." That was okay, right? To, to say, "Oh, that's terrible." If they did, well, here, uh, how many thousands or, or, or how many millions of children here have been brainwashed to hate the white folk? And that's okay. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Nope, nope. That will never be okay. Never. And priest brutality against anybody is never okay either. <laughs> of course it isn't. But you don't blame a whole race for it. No way at all. Mm-mm-mm. This is a bigger agenda than that. Much bigger. Another article too is the unfortunate um, siding <laughs> uh, of Russia with China now. Because the US, again, and, and Trump is definitely surrounded by neocons as usual. Uh, I've targeted China and Russia again, as, as again, resurrected them, I'd say, as the enemy, right? Uh, and because of that, naturally, when that happens, countries band together in mutual support. So Russia, says uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin, may have had more, uh, ha- may have had uh, for a more workable relationship with the Trump administration and have been trampled, so to speak, all his hopes. This came through loudly and clearly in, in an acerbic remarks by Russian Deputy Foreign Ministry Sergei Ravkov in an interview Friday in the National Interest. It was called with the National Interest. Uh, Ravkov lamented the sad state of Russia, U.S. relationship, while pointing out subtly to China as Russia's ace in the hole. He was simply acknowledging that what the Soviets used to call the correlation of forces has changed markedly and strongly implied the U.S. should draw the appropriate conclusions. No amateur diplomat, uh, Ryabkov, uh, used unusually sharp, almost certainly pre-authorized words to drive home his message. We don't believe the U.S. in its current shape is a counterpart that is reliable. So we have no confidence, no trust whatsoever. So our own calculations and conclusions are less related to what America is doing. We cherish our close and friendly relations with China. We do regard this as a comprehensive strategic partnership in different areas, and we intend to develop it further. In other words, we Russians and Chinese will stand together as the U.S. tries to paint both of us as arch-villains, all the while isolating itself and painting itself into a corner. And that's by Ray McGovern. That one. Also with uh, Minnesota, it says they saw uh, plateless cars. Uh, uh, Some of them carried guns and hammer during George Floyd protest, it says. And warning that outside agitators had infiltrated local protests over the death of George Floyd. A black man killed at Minneapolis. Police state officials outlined a list concerning developments, including cars stripped off their license plates driving around town. At least one case on Tuesday in Hennepin County District Court showed that a group of mostly young men, local young men, were riding in one of the mysterious vehicles. 
the cops uh, recovered two guns, a hammer, and an electric grinding tool from the men. I guess that's to, to grind off uh, padlocks and things in places. Authorities charged Junior J. Smith, 24 of Rochester, Augustine Livingston, and uh, Peter Shin. It says they face one kind of second degree riot armed with a dangerous weapon. Mm-hmm. And that they found caches of, of incendiaries that had been discovered near sites of protests and vandalism. This board organization went to this and meets the eye naturally. And it doesn't bode well, as I say. It's been allowed to go further and further and further. It doesn't bode well for society. It's meant to, to, It's a revolution. They think it's a revolution at the bottom for, for their own... What's going to happen when you end up in total austerity and you burn down your places and the food system's gone? What have you won? And the country's broke. Because no one's working. Ah, the ones at the top know where they're taking it. That's what they want to happen. And it falls in with global austerity, right? And then the WEF steps in and says, well, now we'll have to globally manage the whole supply system, the land, the food system, and blah, blah, blah. This coincidentally, now is as good a time as any to refresh your memory of how things are and how how revolutions are caused and, and designed by people way at the top. And the followers never figure it out until it's all over and done with and they don't get their utopia. In fact, the ones who take part in mass revolution and chaos and violence are the ones who get picked off because the, the rulers know that they'll rebel against against them if they don't get what they want in the new system. That's what always happens. So remember, it's good to refresh the memory by watching a portrayal of this kind of technique in Land of the Blind. Awfully good movie with Donald Sutherland. And it goes through that kind of agenda. You do the right things at the right time, you think, only to find out that you've brought the same kind of tyranny back in. Because basically the corruption is within everybody. And that's why people who, who are screaming and mad and furious that everything in, in their life is wrong, they don't realize that everyone has a propensity to be corrupt. And the leaders they bring in are, are often have that in their head to start with. They want to use everybody to get themselves into power. And uh, you're always run by a small elite. Don't forget that. But refresh your memory. It's worth watching. And again, too, when the invasions went on in Iraq and elsewhere, we saw the, the museum getting looted there. Ancient artifacts stolen, auctioned off in another country. And that was on the news at the time. We know all about it and who was involved. Nobody was charged with that. It was looted. And, of course, so was, their, so was the reserve currencies and all the rest of it. And the gold all just disappeared. The same thing happened after the U.S. went into Libya. And a massive gold reserve there, and again, vanished, just like that. And that's looting operations, because war always has a, a looting operation. But this is the key to it. Uh, look at the culture in America with the looters. It's the same thing going on, you know. Loot, loot, loot is ingrained in the culture because the whole system is based on materialism over human value in life. And that's the problem. And don't forget, too, that no one's going to make things better for you individually. You might find that as you get a bit older if you live that long. You know, that's that's a chance we're all up against now, is trying to get to an age where you can actually understand things better. But don't forget that... 
everyone's born with a propensity to be a crook, a criminal, a tyrant, and, and corrupt. That's why all this, the old communist systems and Soviets were all corrupt as well at the very top. The higher you went, the more corrupt it was, and they shared the loot of the people down below them, a whole slave population, for goodness sake. And nothing worked eventually at the very end of it. Don't forget that, because uh, you're not bringing in some kind of utopia at all. The corruption is inside humanity itself, in individ- every individual. And the more you're into pure materialism and you have no other values outside the purely material, the more corrupt it will become regardless. It's up to you. And travel. The first thing that caught me as well was that they, they stopped traveling. Right? You got your, your little passport for traveling for your area. And papers, please. But we're electronic now. We can do it with apps on your phones or bracelets and stuff. Eh? So here they're using, again, organizations. Eh? You wouldn't think that, that global protocols and stamp for the new normal would come from safe travels. Eh? The WTTC. <laughs> I guess it's World Tourism Travel coalition or something. Alongside our members, governments, health experts and other industry associations are working together to achieve effective recovery protocols, I love that word protocols, for developing meaningful action plans that optimize sector-wide recovery efforts. They're all bureaucrats, aren't they, the way they speak. Powerful protocols include providing the public and uh, private sectors with the insights and toolkits for interaction and implementation to ensure that people are and feel safe. However, WTTC, our members, and the sector cannot guarantee 100% safety. It is paramount to have common rules. Ultimately, we envisage a future of travel which is safe, secure, seamless, and provides an authentic and meaningful experience to the traveler across the country, one which supports the livelihoods of millions and contributes to sustainable economic growth. Everything's got to be sustainable, you understand? So, this is travel and tourism, right? And, and with, along with all the aircraft companies, you know, all the airline companies, they want you all to have, the, have your, your, your travel passports with your updates on your, on your vaccinations and are you safe or are you not safe and so on. Oh, yeah. So you have a coalition of, of tourism and travel, right? Uh, do you vote for that? No. So you get the global safety stamp of approval to recognize safe travel protocols. Specially designed stamp will allow travelers to recognize governments and businesses around the world which have adopted health and hygiene global standardized protocols so consumers can experience a safe travel. Eligible businesses such as hotels, restaurants, airlines, cruise lines, tour operators, restaurants, outdoor shopping, transportation and airports will be able to use the stamp once the health and hygiene protocols outlined by the WTTC have been implemented. Destinations will also help award the stamp of approval to local suppliers. So you'll, you'll be safe, just like China. Everyone was trialed in China with apps on their on their their phones and so on with green, red and blue colours coming up and that would let the shopkeepers know you were safe or you were not safe and they wouldn't let you in and blah 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 this is what they always do it's so beautiful, it's, it's so masked it's, it's so good before as the communism would, would demand your papers now they've got your apps they can immediately tell if you're safe or you're not safe and have you been approved to travel have you been banned from travel because you might be this, might be that whatever it happens to be Mm-mm-mm. 
So it's safe, safe travel global protocols and stamp for the new normal. There you go. Mm-mm-mm. Quite something. Quite something indeed. And also, too, you, you can look up yourself the origins of Antifa and why you should maybe care about it or, or not care or whatever you want to do. And it's a revolutionary communist anarchist militia movement that aspires to forcibly overthrow the U.S. government. And it's responsible for a level of sustained political street warfare not seen in the U.S. since the 1960s. But it's got all the other networking with the, the same organizations that brought nations to a standstill with their riots for extinction, rebellion, as they like to call it, etc., etc. All on board with the same agendas as the World Economic Forum. Isn't that strange? This amazing, amazing exact same agenda as the multi-billionaires have these little people at the bottom. It's not really what a coincidence that is. First in history. And the Pentagon video warns of unavoidable dystopian future for world's biggest cities. I mentioned this before, and I'll put it up too. It says, according to the startling Pentagon, a video obtained by The Intercept, the future of global cities will be an amalgam of the settings of Escape from New York and Robocop, with dashes of the Warriors and Divergent thrown in. It will be a world of Robert Kaplan-esque urban hellscapes, brutal and anarchic super cities filled with gangs of youth gone wild, arrestive underclass criminals, syndicates, and bands of malicious hackers. At least that's the scenario outlined in Mega Cities Urban Future, the emerging complexity, a five-minute video that's been used at the Pentagon's Joint Special Operations University. As I say, it's really a, a teaser for the uh, because the, the the whole the whole thing for the Pentagon is like a course. It's, it's like <laughs> about a 20, 20 cent course on the future. There you go. And I've also got the Movement for Black Lives Policy platform, which you can download yourself. It's going on download our resource on safety and infiltration as well. Everything's so well organized, eh? So well organized. And then another one, just to finish off, it's called the Slippery Slope to Despotism, paved with lockdowns, raids, and forced vaccinations. And that was from May the 21st. So even that's really old news now, isn't it? But it's not really. Nothing's old news. The problem is folk really expect to have up to the minute brand new news to toss out the old stuff. Not realizing it all, all creates a whole picture of the truth, you see. So don't believe anything's ever old. Much of what's happening today could be avoided if folk knew their history, even the last 20, 30 years, perhaps. Now remember, folks, that uh, as I say, you can go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com and list all the sites I've got listed on that site, the official ones, and find out how to donate to me or buy the books and discs. And you can use PayPal or send cash or checks. That's all okay with me. And I'm going to look for other ways of, of other ways of getting payments as well, electronically, hopefully. And uh, that keeps me ticking along with these talks. And believe you me, my archives are used by... <laughs> All the other names you've probably heard out there in the alternate media because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a free archive for those who want to look into it with so much information on it. And you'll hear people quoting them every other day of, of many talks I've given. They just don't mention where they got it from. 
which is an awful shame. But that's part of the, the fact, that part of the real system we're living in. It's not a real system. Even your opposition often is not, not all of them, but, but the big ones often are, are already paid by. They're part of the, the, an organization that was made. You're always giving your leaders, folks. You're giving them. They're authorized. Uh, I, always, this is how you always. Nobody gets into this without being authorized, unless they come through the back door. And if you come through the back door, you, you'll get shadow banned from the beginning. And I did get shadow banned from the beginning. Once they found out what I was saying. Well, that's how it really is. Nothing is what it seems to be. But you're going through amazing history as it happens. And again, uh, the truth behind everything and uh, that's causing the movements and so on is way different from how it's portrayed by most of the media. And uh, and people have to remember, uh, don't panic, don't panic. And you, your thoughts do count, even to yourself. Be true to yourself, if nothing else, in the long run. And and don't be groveling to anybody. Uh, with the, who, who are simply driving home their own agendas and using you as part of it. And don't give up your brain to anybody either. Don't give it up. You know how precious it is. So remember, donate to me and hopefully I'll take along for a bit longer. I'm Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada. And it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.